What up, what up, what up? Good morning to all. Uh, right here on the Coach JB Show. We're live um, right out the gate. Uh, appreciate everybody joining me on this Work Boot Wednesday. We got a hell of a sto- uh, show in store for you. We got uh, LeBron breaking the scoring record, but AD don't stand up to celebrate it. Why? Can't wait to ask Jason Whitlock. Mr. Fearless himself joins me in the first few minutes right here. Uh, Steve Kim will join me, the Korean Cosell that Jason Whitlock has so eloquently named. Also, the all-decade Ram player, Tyoka Jackson, joins me in the second hour along with Chase Sr. to break down the Super Bowl. Uh, all brought to you by betonline.ag. Use the promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V. Get you 50% off on a welcome bonus. Plus, CanadaDipsCBD.com. Make sure you head on over to CanadaDips cbd.com it's right here use the promo code coach jb all caps get you 20 percent off and uh can't wait to uh see what's in store today all you guys pound the like button subscribe become a member if you're not one uh first of all let's get you started with the quote of the day um can't wait to get that started if you are afraid of confrontation you are not going to do very well if you are afraid of confrontation, you are not going to do very well, period. That's just what it is. Um, let me jump on a uh, little TikTok live real quick so uh, we can get this whole party started. We're on everything right now. Uh, Twitter, um, TikTok, you name it, we're on it. Uh, make sure you guys pound that like button, subscribe, become a member if you're not one. Um if you're afraid of confrontation, you're not going to do very well. Quote of the day. A lot of you guys uh, run from it and hide from it, but at the end of the day, it's still going to come and bite you in the ass. Uh, contrary to belief, brought to you by Canadips. The past cannot be changed. Contrary to your belief. Uh, opinions don't define your reality. Contrary to your belief. And time heals all wounds. What goes around comes around. Contrary to belief. Uh Everybody on TikTok, come on over to YouTube Live. We got a hell of a uh, show in store. Mr. Fearless himself, Jason Whitlock, joins me in the first hour. Steve Kim, Tyoka Jackson, former Ram, all-decade NFL team player. And Chase Sr. will join me, along with Matt McChesney. In between all that, five big-time guests on today. Can't thank thank them enough for joining in this show today. We got a lot to discuss. Uh, LeBron breaks the record. AD don't stand up for it. Uh, I don't know how you guys take that. Um, Whole question, is LeBron a Laker great? Would you consider him a Laker great? A bubble championship breaks the all-time scoring record, all in the purple and gold. Is he a Laker great? If you named your top five Lakers, is LeBron in that? Uh, Drop your comment below. Uh, for me, no, he's not a Laker great. Um, I don't believe he's been there long enough. I don't believe he's done enough. Um, he's on the ass end of his career and he, he broke the scoring record, uh, you know, at the ass end of his career in the purple and gold, he won a bubble championship. A lot of people are going to asterisk that. Um, so I don't know if you would consider him a Laker great, but, um, I'm not sure that's just how, what it is. I don't know if that's. I don't know if you can actually do that, um, but we're here on this action-packed radio row Super Bowl week. Uh, we got a lot of a uh, lot of uh, discussion here today. Um, 
Yeah, I believe he's the Cleveland Cavalier when you look at it uh, first, and then you got to go Miami Heat, Lakers, obviously. I just can't I can't fathom that I'm saying it. He's been on how many teams? Um, but LeBron breaks the scoring record. AD don't stand up. Uh, if you guys haven't noticed this, um, I don't know how to take this. Um, you know, oops. Uh, I don't know how how you take this. He's standing down. He's sitting down right there. Now, he does stand, I'm pretty sure. But he sits for as long as he can. And if you watch it, when he approaches the bench, he looks like he's pouting. Like, why is the cat walking around like he's pouting? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't get it. Um, I don't get it. LeBron breaks the scoring record, drops the F-bomb. Fuck, man. Thank you, guys. Hey. Fuck, man. Thank you, guys. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Um, but guess what? He breaks the record. Nobody's talking about the fact they lost the game. The Lakers lost the game. Like, I'm, I'm confused. Do you think Kobe was going was gonna to allow that team to lose the game if he broke a record? Remember, he scored 60 on his last game ever. Um, they won the game. He ain't going to lose. He ain't going to lose on a record-breaking night. To me, that is a huge... To me, that throws a lot of... Uh, Grayness in that deal, man. I don't know about that one, man. I don't have the same vibe. If you lose, um, if you lose in a big time record breaking night like that, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I. I, I don't know if it has the same vibe to me. Um, not sure if it has the same vibe to me. Um, a lot of people are tripping on this Post Malone uh, deal. Have you seen Post Malone perform? What I don't know what he does, but right here he starts to really uh do some things right here. I'm confused at what he's doing. I actually got to hang out with the dude in Vegas. Uh is every rapper and entertainer nowadays something something up with them? What is going on with these rappers and entertainers? Why are they so weird? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't I'm I'm confused as to why they're all so weird. Um but you know, it is what it is. Um but look, man, without further ado, I can't I can't thank this man enough for jumping on the show with us this morning. Uh, a lot of you guys come on over to this show that follow uh, this man. He is Mr. Fearless himself. You guys watch and follow Fearless on YouTube uh, through the Blaze Network. Um, Jason Whitlock, for a lot of you guys that don't know him, um, I'm sure you all know him. A lot of you came over here for it, so I appreciate you guys. I uh, can't thank him enough. Clap it up. What up, man? Finally got the invite. I've been begging to be on this show for months. I didn't want to do it. I was like, nah, Jason, too big time for me. I, I don't want to waste his time. You know what I mean? Hell no. Man, hey, I love uh, anybody. Anybody that shows me love, I got to show them love. So 
Hey, uh, and I, I appreciate it. it. I know you're a busy man. Uh, I appreciate you coming on my platform. Uh, the Korean Cosell, who you eloquently have renamed, he'll be on the show too, man. I was going to surprise you and just drop his butt in here. Um, so I can't wait to do that uh, on you later on. I, I won't take too much of your time, man. I got I to gotta ask you something. Are you ready to eat crow? On what? <laughs> on what? Patrick Mahomes is in the Super Bowl. What? what, what? All right. Everybody, pay attention to this little clip right here. I just want you to pay attention. I told Jason on his own show, I don't apologize. Jason said he apologized for his take on Joe Burrow. And I said, that's not apologizing. You're just admitting you were wrong. I said, but see, so I don't want him to apologize either for this, but I'm going to allow him to admit that he was wrong. Uh, just have a listen to this. About three years ago, Jason was lovely enough to have me on his show, Speak for Yourself. Take a listen. Get a scholarship, Division One scholarship, in like the last four years before I got there. We had 101 Division One kids sign in three years. National hey. national record. Love it. Um, Come on, Jason. That, that's hard for me to believe. Love it. A Google, junior Google college, a hundred. 101, that's Division One, not everyone. We've had more than that. That's hard. Mm. That's hard. A junior college mm. produces mm -hmm. five or ten D1s a year. How did y'all get to 101? That, that's now, we were putting 40 out a year. It's very, very researchable. Jason? You want, what do you want me to apologize for, looking that fat? You see that right there? That was every year, 45 D1s. That's it right there. That's the proof of the pudding. Hey, man, you, you've came a long way, man. You look good. <laughs> yeah, I need to apologize for looking like hey. I was about to explode and ooze out all over you and Marcellus. <laughs> hey, I, I, I've lost 30 pounds too, man. I'm trying, I'm trying to do it too, man. Uh, hey, what do you think about Marcellus taking his own platform, man? Uh, he's uh, He's been on a rampage call <laughs> He's uh he's been on Acho's butt. He's been on everybody. What you think about Marcellus doing his own thing? I, I think it's great. I think what he's doing right now is just enjoying the freedom and and sitting around going, oh my God, I can say this, I can say that, I can say this, I can say that, I can say whatever I want. And you know, I saw the video where he talked about the importance of being willing to bet on yourself. And, and he's doing that. It's no different than what you and I are, are doing and have done. And, you know, it forces you uh, to man up. And, and, you know, it's like what, what my father always said about, my father was a small business owner in the hood, but he loved it because, you know, you, you eat what you kill, keeps you motivated, uh, you know, keeps you young. And so I, I think what Mar what Marcellus is doing is great. And, you know, welcome to the family of people that can wake up every day and say exactly what they think without worrying about, oh, man, did this advertiser, is, is some executive hiding under his desk because I said this or that. Uh, you know, welcome to the wild, wild west. You know, <laughs> and it, it's we're out here mining for gold and it's out here. Hey, you're not lying. Uh, Pat. Pat, Pat uh, McAfee told me the same thing. He's like, man, there's so much money to be made on this internet thing. And he was like, I didn't want to work for anybody. Now Pat's obviously signed a couple deals with ESPN, so he's kind of taking that other shift. Now he's doing both. He's a zebra or a unicorn. He's kind of like, he's got his own thing, making huge money with FanDuel. Then he's got his corporate world now with ESPN and on game day and all that stuff. So he's out in Radio Row doing that thing. 
He told me that a while back, though. I talked to Marcellus the other day. He's coming on my show tomorrow. He said, uh, he's like, man, this algorithm stuff, man, I thought I'd be a little bigger. I'm like, man, I've talked to Jason about it, too, man. I said, you got to be a big-name guy to get that. That algorithm takes a while on YouTube. It's kind of funky how it works, but he's learning. Look, he's it's, learning. Like it's, it's, it's tough sledding, but everything that you get, it, it's, it's like – investment right. in a 401k or the stock market it's it, it's like anything the rewards down the road are, are so much greater you just got to have the willingness to stick with it and figure it out and you know make sure you're seeking the counsel of, of people that have been in the game a bit longer and they can tell you how to accelerate uh your growth Hey, I gotta ask you. I, I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't do too much uh, in the politic world. But Trump came out and said he would put a bill in if he was a president that would make uh, that would make men. Um, it's illegal for men to participate in any female sport and basically classify men as men again and women as women. Uh, I would vote for it in a heartbeat. But let me ask you something. You're way more in depth into politics than I am. Is two 80-year-old white dudes the best this country has for president? Like, we can't find a 40-year-old somewhere just hanging out that's ready to go, like, be a go-getter. Like, have you heard this dude right here? Anything to raise the cost of presenting jobs, I will veto it. <laughs> what did he say? Did you try anything jobs? to raise the cost of presenting jobs, I will veto <laughs> A Brazilian job. And Kamala stands up like real fast like she knew what he said come on man i just don't know trump's not a much better speaker man if anything i you know i i hang out with pat perez all the time him and him and trump are good friends and uh, i got to meet a man and i'm just like dude even pat's like dude we gotta get a younger cat in here i don't know do you do you care about the age or do you think there is somebody out there that could lead us better than what we got i i, I don't know how i don't care much about the age i do think it's unfortunate that you know our best leadership are not our best but our most prominent leaders are that old and stale but there are you know ron DeSantis is in his early 50s or late 40s uh he seems like he may be a candidate on the republican side and then on the left, people would say, you know, Camilla's young. I'm not sure how many people want Camilla as as president, but it's not an age thing for me. It's it's a policy. It's an outlook. It's how you feel about America. How you feel about uh, traditional American values that created a lot of freedom and, and opportunity for a lot of us. And and then I mean, for me, you know, on my show, it's about your faith. And that that's what I would like. I would like to see somebody with a stronger faith and biblical worldview uh, take office uh, than what we, you know, Joe Biden pretends to be a Catholic and Trump is coming into his faith really, really late in life and probably a bit less authentic. Uh, so that, that's my concern is, you know, where do these guys stand faith wise? What's uh? 
What's your take on this weather balloon floating around, man? I'm, like three of them out there right now. Is this a big joke, hoax, or is it something we should have been concerned? Oh, I didn't even know. There's more. There's more Chinese weather balloons over I, our space. I heard there was one over Mexico. There was the the two. We we supposedly spotted two here. My brother's in the Air Force. He's been a fighter pilot since '86, and uh, he's in Great Falls, Montana, and. He told me some things off the record that about why they didn't shoot it down, but he said that a lot of people there were like, no, it should have been shot down over Montana. Yeah. There's like 19 people living in Montana. Let's let's keep let's be honest. I I, I hate the fact that we're talking about uh it was floating across the country. It was in Montana. It wasn't over downtown LA. Like I don't <laughs> believe anybody would have got injured, but I don't know. Is that do you think that was a real viable threat? Uh, I think it was more of a stage thing to embarrass America and to, and to say no. to the world stage that America's weak, China's in control, we can do whatever we want. Uh, you know, they basically just punked us out in front of everybody on the playground. And, or, you know, I guess if you're in prison, we just got sold for a pack of cigarettes and were told to grab a belt loop. And uh, that's that's what that's that's what I thought it was more. It was just international stagemanship or or whatever, and and we just we just looked weak. Yeah, I was disgusted myself, man. As an as an American, I'm sitting there like, dog, can we drop our nuts and do something? I'm like, God. Uh, let me ask you something. Uh, LeBron breaks the record. Um, Fuck, man. Thank you, guys. He drops the f bomb. Is everyone gonna- really? Just, I, I I don't. I, was- I mean, it's like getting ridiculous on people being. I I. You know what? I'm not a LeBron guy. I I, I was grow up a Laker fan my whole life. I'm a Kobe guy. I think Kobe's always gonna be the king of L. A. But having uh LeBron break the record, I, at least I get to, we got to see him be uh, honest and uh, a, a real person out there. Even though you know we all think what we think, he breaks the record. I th- I'm a I'm a big guy that says you know if if Kareem plays don't play college this this thing's so far out of reach it's unbelievable he's probably scores ten thousand more points um, but he broke it in under the amount of games Kareem took uh, what's your thought on Kareem or on uh, LeBron breaking it last night um, in front of Kareem and 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 all the uh, fans like Jay Z and everybody that came out you kind of felt that he was going to get it done I guess with all the star studded lineup that was in the crowd huh. I have mixed emotions, and I'm going to be very honest. We're going to start my show talking about this uh, today. I have mixed emotions about this whole thing, and 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 I have to admit my bias. Part of the mixed emotions are I'm not a LeBron guy. If this were Kevin Durant breaking the record or Steph Curry, I would take more enjoyment from it. But regardless of who's breaking the record right now in this era, I I have to put a tiny asterisk by it. And it's not just that LeBron got to play straight out of high school. It's just that the resistance in the NBA just isn't what it used to be. There's a reason why a 38-year-old guy can score 30 points a game in his 20th season or how many ever seasons it's been, th- th- there's a reason why uh, that can happen. It's because there's just very little resistance in the NBA. He's playing in a completely different league 
than what Kareem played in, what Jordan played in. There was just a, a price to pay uh, that he hasn't had to pay for most of his career because the, last night I went to a uh, a hockey game, the Predators. Uh, Las Vegas was here, and I was I was there. And his first hockey game I've been to probably in four or five years. And and the first thing I said to the, the group I was with, I was like, "Holy cow! It's just not as physical as it used to be." Really? Yeah. And 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 they were like, "Oh yeah, I mean, these guys are season ticket holders and." Go to a lot of games. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just not as physical. So it's across sports. And it's no different than things I say about Tom Brady is I'm not going to deny him his accomplishments and the way he's regarded. But he's not playing in the same NFL as John Elway and Joe Montana and those guys. And, and so he got to play, in my view, an extra eight years because they've removed a lot of the physicality and you have to ask the quarterback, hey, do you mind if I sack you and would you lay down for me? Uh, where again, you, you never hear anybody, JB, remember when we were growing up and they would talk about a, a delivery sack? Yes. That was part of the game. Yes. <laughs> After the guy threw the ball, you could get a delivery sack on him. And, you know, yes. that's been outlawed. And so the, the hits quarterbacks take, just aren't the same. And so I put a little tiny asterisk next to, you know, Tom Brady and all the records he's broken because he would have been out of the league seven, eight years ago in the old NFL. I, uh, did you hear Trent Dilfer on the 30 for 30 Baltimore Raven deal? I saw the controversy. I didn't listen to it. What did he, he say? He said, uh, he basically said, uh, I don't know if I have the video. He basically said, you know, I love Brady. I love uh, Aaron Rodgers. But the fact of the matter is those guys don't impress me. You can't sack the QB. You can't reroute the right receiver. You can't hit the receiver over the middle. He said, I love those guys, but they're not what we had to go through. And and he said it on that 30 for 30. Uh, everybody gave him like a standing ovation that was in the crowd. I guess he was talking to the old school quarterbacks, old school guys that played. But I've been saying it for years, man. I just don't. Uh, I think it's totally different. All sports, basketball. I, I I haven't watched an NBA game. I watched a little bit last night to watch him see if he was going to choke it off or get the record. I, I I tweeted out, of course, you know, I, I'm I'm I got a million hate tweets now. I said he ain't going to get this thing shooting the ball, and he hits like three threes in a row. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, ah, it is what it is, man. But you know, I'm like, I don't know, man. It's just uh, it's interesting that. It's interesting you say that. Some people will tell you or ask you, Jason, they'll say, well, don't hate the player, hate the game. Is What do you have to say for that? Because the rules have changed. I, I don't know if we've adapted. Uh, I guess, you know, Mike Tomlin says it best, adapt or die. Um, I just, I still believe that the player is is benefiting from the game. I mean, it doesn't matter about hate the player or hate the game. It's like, you get. if I was allowed to have the winning lotto numbers, I'm going to take advantage of it. I can hate them both. I can multitask. I can <laughs> I can hate the game and the player. And <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at with it. Look, I, I love the, the what Trent Dilfer did, and that's going to be part of my conversation uh, today, bringing that up. is like all the old school players know what's going on. Kareem, last night, sitting there courtside, he knows what league LeBron's playing in, and it's like, yeah, hey, I got to give him this record, blah, blah, blah. But 
he he didn't walk the path. He can look too walk. like amused, yeah. by the way. And 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 the thing I found interesting again because I was at that Predators game last night, I didn't know what you said. I, I heard you say before I came on, Anthony Davis didn't jump up with excitement when have LeBron booked the Have you seen this? No. Take a look. I mean, I don't know how you take it. I don't know. I like it. now. I know he got up after that. Everybody's gonna say, "Oh, JB, he got up. He was he was icing his knees or some crap, right?" I'm sure we're gonna hear some some excuse. People love it making excuses for excuses, Jason. But I know you could probably show that today and kill it on your show. Uh, I just gotta like he walked over there, Jason. Though, see, I look at bigger things. Watch the approach. He looks like a baby got his, his his candy stolen walking over there like he's moping, doesn't he? Kind of like as he approaches the bench, he's kind of like he's kind of moping like, uh Look, man, to me I don't think that's out and out disrespect and hatred for LeBron. I do think it's just like I'm tired I'm worn out from being in the LeBron circus. LeBron sucks up all the energy out of the room. I'm, and to me, that's just like, okay, I'm glad this is over with. Uh, we'll get eliminated from the playoffs if we back into the playoffs, and and I can move on. They make they can trade me. They can, I can get out of here, or LeBron will get out of here. But I just think AD's completely over the LeBron circus. I- uh, and and again. They, not that anyway, they lost the game last night. They're not going anywhere. And the whole season has been about LeBron breaking this record. And, you know, a lot of guys, AD's made a lot of money, has a lot of pride uh, about himself. He, he doesn't care about being part of some kind of history. I was there that night, blah, blah, blah. He's just kind of over. If I, it, on the flip side, though, to be fair, this is a guy that's made out of like, plastic he's never available he's always hurt like if you're lebron would you be pissed though and say you know what i've been carrying our ass because you've been hurt all year too and for the last two years um i don't care what you think i I don't know it's i think it's a marriage gone sour i think i think ad should be traded um he's always injured i would have loved i I wouldn't have loved it but i think ad for Kyrie would have made sense ad in brooklyn with kd and then Kyrie back with lebron I don't know if AD and LeBron really work together. I think Kyrie and LeBron, especially after getting Hashimura or whatever, and they have the big kid Bryant, the Lakers got the bigs, I think, to be successful. They don't need the great dominant big. The big the, the big not doesn't dominate the NBA anymore anyway. So, Well, I, I think you may be giving some insight into what AD is thinking and what's motivating him is maybe he knows LeBron has the same feeling as you. And so, like, hey, we should have traded AD for Kyrie. He should have been part of that package. And that's why AD's not as into it as everyone else. Hey, let me get get some insight for all the guests in here. I appreciate everybody joining us this morning. Uh, 
Jason joining me uh, right out the gate here uh, on the West Coast. It's not even sun out. Um, Jason, let me ask you something. I, we have a common friend, Shannon. Um, he told He's told me you've been kind of like a real honest cat your whole entire life. People that don't know, uh, people think that you just do this for tweets and likes and re-likes like these social media people. And I'm like, I don't think so. I think Jason's been this way his entire life. Did you, it don't matter where you go, if it's barbershop banter or at a, at a mall, are you always going to speak your mind and tell people how it is just like I do? I'll give you this story. It's just a, you know, a quirk in my personality is something uh, I, I was just born with is that I, I just am always going to say what I authentically believe, regardless of the audience. And so my family can tell you that when I was maybe 10 years old, we, we always hosted my parents divorced probably when I was five. And so uh, we always hosted my mom. Uh, always pretty much hosted uh, Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner for uh, my entire family, my aunts and cousins and uncles and everybody would come to our apartment. And, and so I'm 10, 11 years old. And, you know, after you get done eating, everybody's just sitting around talking and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm 10 years old. My mother's a factory worker. Everybody, my uncle's a factory worker. Uh, my family loves gambling. That, that's my grandfather was the numbers runner guy and was hood rich my whole life. You know, gambling's our thing. My, my mother. In Indianapolis, or you, you grew up in like in, in Indianapolis, yeah, yeah. And in Indianapolis, we had these things called pea shake houses. And they're just like little casinos of they have a lottery at each there's maybe 10 at that time there were probably 10 pea shake houses around the inner city of Indianapolis and about every other hour a pea shake house would hold a lottery it's just some illegal gambling that goes on <clears throat> in Indianapolis I knew about this stuff was taught how to gamble with pea shake houses as a little kid because that's just the culture of my family I don't say that to embarrass my family or describe I'm just keeping it real and so at Thanksgiving, after everybody's eaten, I give a big speech as a 10 or 11-year-old, and I go, how come we played the numbers and white people play the stock market? I think we're making a mistake. We should be playing the stock market and not playing the numbers. No shit. <laughs> and so, and I give the, I get this long, big debate with all the adults and everybody, and I'm just like, Nah, I just think we're doing this wrong. Uh, and and I mean, that's just always been me speaking truth to power. At, at, nobody was more powerful than my mother and uncle and aunts and the people that would come to Thanksgiving. And I'm just a little kid telling them, nah, I think you're doing this wrong. Again, that, that, that I, I look, I'm part of my culture and part of my family's culture. I love to play the pea shakes. And it's like the government, the police force has cracked down. There's only probably like one or two pea shake houses in Indianapolis anymore. Uh, but when I go home to Indianapolis, I still. <laughs> hey, I still it's funny though that you were that open book 
even yeah. as a youngster and we're like, yeah. man, we're doing something wrong. And that yeah. was just in your DNA. Shannon told me the same thing. You played with Shannon, a good friend who, who, who was a big time guy at Adidas. He, he was the one that if everyone out there that don't know on Netflix, you saw all that Adidas pretty stuff we had. That was from Shannon. Uh, Jason, you you played with Jeff George and Shannon. You won some high school state championships um, at a powerhouse. I recruited forever. Um, how was Jeff George? I know he was. Uh, he 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 had probably one of the strongest arms of all time. Special, just, just special. I mean, as an athlete, I I just it was it was amazing as a kid. Just uh, you know, we I was first because we went to different elementary schools. We went to the same junior high school, but everybody knew of Jeff George. And Jeff's a year younger than me, but probably starting when I was in sixth grade, he's in fifth grade. That's when I became aware of like, oh my God, Jeff George, what what a basketball player, and he what a football quarterback and a baseball player. And and Jeff had an older brother named Dave who was our high school quarterback, you know, he's probably six years older than me. And he, he was like, his brother was the quarterback of Warren Central High School. And he was kind of like my first idol is like looking up to Dave George, stud quarterback at Warren and played on the basketball team. And, and I thought Dave George was great. Dave George went on to play football at like a division two or three football team. And I, I thought, oh, like Dave George is incredible. Jeff comes up behind him as a little kid, and I think it was probably in sixth or seventh grade was the first time I said to somebody that, hey, Jeff will be the first pick in the NFL draft someday. And <laughs> he was that good of a little league quarterback. And it was amazing. And I, he was a very good basketball shooter. I think if he had – Focused just on basketball, I think he could have been a Cal Corver type NBA player. Uh, Would you go Warren, Warren Central or whatever? Excuse me? You went to Warren Central? Yeah, Warren Central. Yeah. And then as a baseball player, could have been a pitcher or a shortstop in, in Major League Baseball. Could have been a first-round pick in baseball. And obviously an incredible arm. Uh, as a pitcher and as a shortstop or third baseman. Uh, and then obviously as a football player, you know, tremendous quarterback for number one overall pick to me, you know, the greatest high school quarterback talent. I, I think that's probably ever been produced. Uh, but so, something, and, and again, I love Jeff, Jeff and I and his sons and have been close for years. Love him. I, I just what I question with uh, Jeff and just others is like, <clears throat> particularly as it relates to football, talent can be a curse. You can have too much talent in football at certain positions. And so if you look at the great quarterbacks, there's a reason why Tom Brady was a six round pick or whatever he was. There's a reason why Peyton Manning, although the number one pick, he wasn't to me, a great athlete. He, he didn't have every physical tool possible. And so he had to make up for it with his mind. Jeff, to me, had too much talent and the game came too easy for him. And that's why it wasn't until later in his career in Oakland and then in Minnesota 
by the time his talents dissipated a little bit, if you go look at when he had great success, one year in Oakland, he threw 29 TDs and just nine interceptions. Uh, the year he, he almost led the Vikings on an incredible playoff run. Uh, this stuff was all later in his career when his talents had dissipated and he really had to tap in more to the mental side of football. If he had had to do that earlier in his career, I think you're looking at, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. If Mahomes bombs another Super Bowl and throws some picks and no touchdowns, um, and let's just say he goes one and two in the Super Bowl, he's thrown two touchdowns and four picks. I don't know if you know this stat, Jason. Uh, this guy has a better Super Bowl rating than Patrick Mahomes. So so let's just throw that out there. But listen, I'm not I'm not hating on Patrick Mahomes. What I'm saying is I give him credit for playing through injury, through wanting to play. I love the fact that he's doing that. I think that's in a quarterback's job description, play regardless of how you feel. But especially as a leader. But if he bombs, let's just say, let's just say he throws no touchdowns, a couple uh -huh. of picks. What? what are you gonna say about this guy? One and two in Super Bowls and 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 Dan Orlovsky, who I'm talking to live yesterday during my show, he puts Mahomes at number two all time after four years in the NFL. Why do we anoint these guys so quickly? You do know that Joe Montana threw 14 touchdowns and zero interceptions in Super Bowls, and he's already putting Mahomes ahead of him. Well, that's crazy, and I'm not one of those guys. And so, look, is Mahomes the best quarterback playing right now? Yes, in my opinion. With Burrow for me is 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 Burrow and Josh Allen. Do, do they have a chance over the next ten years to catch him or surpass him? Yes, but but if the guy's played in three Super Bowls this early in his career, I don't care about what his stats are in those Super Bowls. It doesn't diminish him. I'm not someone right now that's ready to put him into the top 10 of all-time great quarterbacks. He has not earned that. Good. He hasn't done it long enough. And you have to factor in that the era that he's playing in, It's he's got a lot of work to do and a lot of accomplishments he's got to get before I put him in the same classification as John Elway, Steve Young, Joe yes. Montana, hey. Roger Staubach. Uh, hell, hey. he, he's not surprised. He's hasn't surpassed Brett Favre to me at this point. Or Aikman, then. Aikman, he's got some work to do. Uh, you know, Johnny Unitas, who, you know, I never saw play, but I'm not going to disrespect what he accomplished and what people say about him from that era. He's got a lot of work to do. He's got to go above their accomplishments yes. in order to even reach their level. I don't know if you've heard, um, and I appreciate you coming on. I gotta, I gotta surprise you with a guest. I, I don't know if you've heard about Aaron Rodgers going on Pat McAfee yesterday, and basically he's going to make his decision from a black box room. Um, Steve Kim joins us from a black box room. Look how dark his room is, uh, Jason. Like, like I gotta get this guy. He's in California. We got good electricity and shit. Like we have good lighting. Steve. <laughs> Yo, where's the fearless background at, bro? Uh, that's not coming up for another three hours. Where's your fearless background? Aha, uh -huh. see, see, this is just like Jeff George, a leader 
not taking accountability, not leading by example. Uh, by the way, Jeff George story, I got to tell. After he got ran out of Purdue where his mom literally came on the field, oh, is Jeff okay? Yeah, that didn't last. It happened his freshman year, 1986. For about two weeks, he was a Miami Hurricane, and I've heard a lot of stories. Basically, Jimmy Johnson wanted him because they're like, wow, this kid has the greatest arm ever. I will say that about Jeff George. His 1990 workout, June Jones and every other NFL guy said it's the greatest display of arm talent we have ever seen. However, this is the issue, and it was a foreshadowing for everything that else happened. When he was at Miami, after meeting with Jeff, Jeff made some demands. He had some things he wanted. Jimmy basically told Jeff, uh, Jeff, uh, you, you're, you're a fine talent, but I don't think it's going to work out for you. Uh, it just That's the thing. And there was a great story that Craig Erickson was one of our great recruits as a quarterback from West Palm Beach. And they said, well, well Craig, are you going to well, – Hold on, hold on, hold on for a second. Hold on. I didn't know you were on that Miami team. Go ahead. That, that's no, but I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people. I know guys that actually saw him, and they didn't like him, by the way. Okay, you, I mean, you might. He was one of our great recruits. Yeah, were you yeah. his host? Were you his host? That <laughs> in spirit, yes, I was. You know, what Craig Garrison said. I love when people say we we lost okay. yesterday. All right, them, them for the Niners. So you know what Craig Erickson said? I think scared off Jeff George. They said, "Well, the number one quarterback's coming in to transfer. Are, are you going to still commit to Miami?" And I, I really believe Jeff George said, "I'm out of here." He said. You come to Miami, you should compete with everybody. I expect this. Hey, I got to get your guys. Jeff George was not built for this. He really was. But great talent, though. And you're the only guy that still defends him, and that is admirable, Jason. That is very Jeff admirable. George wasn't scared of no other quarterback. I'll, I'll, I'll just say that. Hey, I got to get you guys' take on Aaron Rodgers. I know you guys like Aaron Rodgers. If Patrick yeah. Mahomes wins Sunday, he's already passed Aaron Rodgers, who's a top-five ball spinner of all time. Uh, has Aaron gone up the deep end when he says this crazy stuff every 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 day? It seems like now he's going to go into a black box and make his decision. What is your guys' take? I don't on think that? that's crazy. For one, I think he's just being transparent. Guys do all kinds of weird stuff that they don't tell you about. He just happened to tell you about it. <laughs> Two, let me tell you the advantage Aaron Rodgers or the advantage Patrick Mahomes has had over Aaron Rodgers. Aaron uh, Patrick Mahomes is playing with perhaps the greatest offensive coach in NFL history. He's playing with the offensive version of Andy Reid. I think, JB, it, it was you or somebody who's come on our show and made the point, uh, name me the quarterback who hasn't performed at a high level under Andy Reid. And, uh -huh. and Aaron Rodgers uh, has not, you know, Mike McCarthy and now this Matt LaFleur or whatever, he hasn't had the benefit of playing with an Andy Reid. Everybody looks like a world beater under Andy Reid. JB, you might have, you know, been a, a mid-major football recruit under an Andy Reid type guy. <laughs> I still got it. I can still chunk it. Now, wait a minute. The black box. Okay, did a plane crash and is Aaron Rodgers going inside of that little black? Whatever. Look. That's not a big deal to me. They all make announcements. By the way, here's the thing with Aaron Rodgers. He's been an oddball for the last five or six years. And, and JB, you may not like this, but the fact that Patrick Mahomes is on his third Super Bowl, whether he wins this upcoming Sunday or not, he's already surpassed Patrick Mahomes. I'll say one thing about Mahomes. He protects his home field. 
Aaron Rodgers has lost a lot of big games at Lambeau the last four or five years. So Mahomes is already above Rodgers. And I'll that's a good argument, too. He's played – he hasn't got – he hasn't had to play a playoff game away from uh, Arrowhead. He's won there. Uh, he's in a – for the last few years, he's been in a pretty bad AFC West. Um, I don't know. I I just don't know. We're, we're going to see – we're going to see how this thing ends up. Who are you guys picking Sunday? I don't know. I want you to see this real quick for uh, Jason. This right here came out. If I were going to bet on this game, I would take everything that I own, get it in cash, and put it on my Kansas and put it on the Kansas City Chiefs. That's Brandon Ayuk for uh, the Niners. He played both teams. Kansas City waxed the Niners. Uh, we got to see that. Um, would you bet? Would you do that bet? Would you make that bet? I've I've, I've read the the comment earlier this week. I've already done that. Uh, you know, I agree with Brandon Ayuk a thousand percent. Really. Yes. You got KC. A thousand percent. What a stunner. Look, what man, stunner. the Philadelphia Eagles, who they face Josh Johnson, and who who was the other uh, clown they faced uh, in the game before the 49ers? Yeah, got hurt, or, uh, yeah Josh Johnson. Purdy got hurt, and they had to place Josh Johnson and, and, and one-arm uh, Brock Purdy. And, and then – I can't. I can't remember. But they ain't played nobody. Yet. I like Philadelphia. I like Philadelphia. I think it's a good team, but they ain't been tested yet. And I think they're gonna fall behind seven points. And and now we're gonna find out what the real deal is it, 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 with Jalen Hurts. It's not that I think Jalen Hurts is bad. It's just that he hasn't had to do anything yet. Uh, because the offensive line and running game has been so strong and the competition has been so weak. Boy, what a stunner. Whitlock taking Kansas City. Wow. Hey, 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 hey wow. I can't thank Jason enough for joining us, man. Uh, Steve, you're going to hang on. I know yeah. you'll be on with, uh, Fearless later on. Make sure you guys follow Fearless, Jason Whitlock, on all social media and watch him later on today. I think you're on at 3 p.m. Pacific uh, or 4 p.m. Pacific. Four. PM Pacific on Fearless on Blaze Network. Jason, I appreciate you, man. I know you're busy and got to run. Thank you, man, for coming on. Thanks for having me. Talk to you later, Jay. Uh, Steve, let's get into some real shit now. <laughs> uh, LeBron scores and he drops the F-bomb. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, man. Thank you, guys. Uh, is he going to be canceled? No, he'll be praised because he said it. It'll be, uh, what, what, what a, what a show of true emotion and being unfiltered. He did it with his heart, and that's why we are all LeBron. I mean, give me a break. I didn't watch a single second of that. People are trying to DM me, text me, saying, "Are you watching this?" And then they were surprised. And I said, "Guys, I haven't watched the game in three years. I know. I'm not going to watch a game for the next decade. I'm not going to be a Laker fan till LeBron leaves." Can you translate this for me, though? If you try anything to raise the cost of presidential jobs, I will veto it. <laughs> How about well, now, wait a minute. Up, though, right away. Why are you asking me? Ask Kamala. She's the one who gave the standing ovation. I, I didn't watch that either. And she's also, uh, I think she said she's Asian, right? Well, when it suits her. But, I, I mean, you know a president is old 
when he's gone weekend at Biden's and then you need subtitles and the subtitles are on X, Y, Z, question mark. You know, you don't know what the hell he's saying, but I just, wow, what a day. What a day it was yesterday. Yeah, but I didn't watch a single moment of that Lakers game. I have not watched the Lakers game. I'm not going to watch a Lakers game till LeBron is gone. And I, that, that was an event for all the elitists. You know, right, Jay- assistant, if you didn't watch the game, what do you think about this? Well, well, that's get up. That's AD kind of symbolizing the interest of the rest of the Laker fanhood. I, I'm not saying he's a fan, but look, I the whole LeBron experience for AD outside the bubble championship has been, I would say, underwhelming. A lot of injuries. Team hasn't been that great. He's taken a lot of heat. I guarantee he's probably thinking, oh, great. I got to be out here another half hour with this shit. That's probably what it is. You know, I don't think it's easy being a LeBron teammate. Because you're very disposable. And when it's all said and done, it is about LeBron. And if LeBron can move you for a better piece that he likes for his own agenda... You're very, very disposable, like a Gillette razor. But let me ask you something. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out. Like, AD ain't never available. And if if you're gonna flip the coin and defend LeBron for playing, at least LeBron is available for the most part in his career. He's kind of got that. He kind of got in the league before this new soft pansy generation, in my opinion. So he doesn't do the load managing of the Kawhis and these other fucks. But if you're LeBron, though, and you're having to play every night, and AD has been non-available for the last two and a half years, would you be pissed, too, and say, screw you, AD, you're never fucking available anyway? Well, I think that's part of it, that LeBron looks at AD and says, man, you are a terrible Robin to my Batman. You're never there. You're right. Availability is ability. and what if there's anything that's going to keep ad out of the hall of fame it's that it's not the talent it's not the production it is not the achievements it's his inability to at least play 80 games a year his body just is not built for it um and unfortunately the first thing you think of ad now right now injuries that's what you think of you don't actually think of his play so that's what it is. But I think AD's over this too, though. Excuse me for one moment. Yeah, hey, you're good. Um, <laughs> AD is soft as shit, man. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Peter Groff, man, he's a fan. I appreciate Peter coming in. Peter Groff said that... Uh, Peter Groff said that it was... He found it ironic that his own... His own teammates did not congratulate LeBron until after all the fanfare and all the hoopla was over. Hoopla was over. Um, let me get, let me move, let me transition since I got you. I haven't had you all week. I appreciate you coming on. I thought it'd be good uh, have a little fearless on here with Jason and yourself. Um, let me ask you something, Kyrie. If he would have got traded to the Lakers, I'd never watch Lakers again. I think he's the biggest BMK there is. Right? We call those bitch made cats. So, <laughs> 
I, I, I gotta <laughs> ask you if he he goes over and instantly, instantly says, I felt disrespected in Brooklyn. And I'm sitting there like the audacity oh, of God. here. The audacity to this cat blows my mind. Um what is your take on Kyrie? He he him and him and KD, let's go to Brooklyn. Let's get hard in. I gotta ask you two questions on this. We know Kyrie's a BMK. I gotta st- and I've always said KD is as well. I'm starting to think, how is KD continuing to get a pass after a pass after a pass? Why is everybody on ESPN and everybody on KD's side? Can we start asking why everyone leaves KD? Well, there's two things here. The term when it comes to Kyrie Irving, who I've actually agreed with in some of his stances, but not all, that's life, is perennial malcontent. There comes a point, you've chosen this profession, you have a contract, do your damn job. As I said a couple days ago on Fearless, we are not asking you to dig ditches. We're not asking you to skydive in the middle of enemy territory. We're not asking you to work on an oil rig. You you got a great job that pays extremely well. Do your damn job and stop being a headache. Um, As it relates to Kevin Durant, it's an interesting thing. The term that I would use for him, common denominator. When all these even go on, let's just talk about, let's go back in some chronological order here. Harden leaves OKC. Harden leaves him in Brooklyn. Yeah. Kyrie leaves him in Brooklyn. Ben, somebody has always left since he left OKC to go to Golden State and chase the dream. We're now starting to see, KD, you can't win without Steph and Clay. <laughs> the reality is this. He is meant to be... Maybe not the number one guy, but maybe the best pure scorer on any team. But maybe not the true number one alpha. And look, he picked up a few rings or a couple rings in Golden State. That was a successful run. But there was this perception that you were a highly paid, highly skilled, I don't say role player, but you were not the number one. So then he had to change that perception and he went to Brooklyn and that thing just did not work out. That's on him. And, you know, look, any grown man or a public figure, an athlete of that stature, that literally searches his name for on social media and then creates burner accounts, I mean, you should be above that. Honestly, that right there to me is a red flag. And KD now to me, I would have some grave reservations if I was a free agent, let's say an A-level player that could help you get somewhere. I, I would actually want to be on LeBron's team more than KD. You know why? Track record. Say what you want about LeBron. He's actually led some pretty mediocre rosters I know. to championships. I agree. I mean, he's actually like kept things afloat. And KD in Brooklyn? It's been the iceberg. It's been the Titanic. It's been a bumpy, bumpy ride. And you're right. The reason and, and the reason why the pundits and the ESPN talking heads do not want to be really hard on KD is 
access. He's a very sensitive guy. They want to stay on his good side, and they want to be able to love him softball questions. It's really that simple. It's about access. Hey, I love your new name on my show. Your new name on my show is 6-2. (laughs) People in the chat are like, hey, I agree, 6-2. He ain't ready to embrace being the number one. Um, I got to ask you, you you do the boxing thing, and you you know more boxing than I'll ever even know. Uh, I got to say, when I get DMs and it's Steve Kim tweeting it, and they're sending it to me, and they don't even have any relation. They don't even know we're good. We we're cool. It, it blows my mind. Steve Kim's become a uh, icon on Twitter. Explain this tweet. Uh, I'm the one. Yeah, well, Holly, Holly Saunders, who used to be on the Golf Network or whatever their channel, she is now the significant other of Oscar De La Hoya, and they have a lot of fun. And Holly, I guess, wants to be the commissioner of a new boxing league that's topless with with dimes and models and. Uh, that would be something that I would advocate for along with most men. And then Oscar has some fun. And, and they went through this back and forth exchange. Now, look, I think they're having fun. Uh, Oscar doesn't have a lot to worry about. He's living a good life. He looks like he's in a pretty good place. I actually wrote about him for my upcoming column on snack.com. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of think it's funny. I know a lot of people are kind of like clutching their pearls at the whole thing. But, yeah, topless boxing would be something I would want to at least cover for the first couple of cards just to kind of see the uh, integrity of that sport. Uh, They say that's not good for boxing. You know what? Nothing is going to fix boxing. Nothing's going to solve it. Nothing's going to ruin it. So um, that's all that is. It was just a little playful jab at everybody. Oscar's in a good place. I I, I really like the new version of De La Hoya. Do you you, you dabble in the UFC at all? A little bit, yeah. I, I watch more than a few cards. I actually know a little bit about it. I, I wouldn't even really call myself a casual fan, but I do appreciate what they do. They have a great brand. They have a great, I don't want to call it a league, but they have a system that is much more fan-friendly in a sense that overall, they do a better job of being more consistent with the high-level matchups than boxing. Boxing, see, the problem with boxing is it's so fractured that you have different promoters on different networks. So sometimes the talent will not intermingle. And so that's an issue with boxing. For the most part in the MMA, as it relates to the talent in the United States, I'd say the large majority is under the guidance and leadership and the iron fist of Dana White. So these guys have no choice but to make the fights that the public wants. So one Who do you like Saturday in the UFC? What was that? Who do you like Saturday in the UFC? I don't even know who's fighting, to be honest with you. I'll just be honest. I just, I'll watch it. Mario sometimes will invite me over. You know, I know a few guys like, you know, Conor McGregor, um, you know, some of the other guys that have fought, Dustin uh, Poirier. I like him. I actually interviewed him once because I had to. But, you know, do I, like, really know it? I mean, no, but my, my day-to-day thoughts are about basically about football, the Miami Hurricanes, what I'm going to have for lunch and boxing. And if there's a big UFC card on, Mario will invite me, and I'll try to learn a little bit. But I would say I'm probably a very, very casual fan. If you guys drop in the chat who's fighting, Steve might then be able to give you a prediction. We don't we – don't, Pay attention to who's fighting in the UFC. I don't even know anything about the UFC. Wido gives me some insight on that usually. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Hey, I got to ask you, 
Uh, this guy has a uh, a better Super Bowl rating than Mahomes. Um, <laughs> if if Patrick Mahomes, I just got to ask this hypothetical before you get out of here. If Patrick Mahomes, let's say, fails miserably and he and he and he throws two picks, no touchdowns, they lose, whatever. What is going to be his? What are we going to start saying? He's one and two in the Super Bowl. He's thrown two touchdowns and four picks to date. Um, People like Orlovsky are bumping him above Joe Montana in the top five. Oh, oh that's uh, ridiculous. Montana's thrown 14 touchdowns, zero picks in Super Bowls. Like, what are we going to say about him? Is, is the gimmicky offense uh, to fruition or not? Yeah. By the way, Dan Orlovsky, I can't believe what he told you about Montana. And is he just basing that on raw numbers? And Aikman. I, that, that's ridiculous. Honestly, and by the way, I watched that 30 for 30 and what Trent Dilfer said. When he said that, I was like, hey, I know a guy that's been saying that for a while. That sounds very familiar. But anyway, um, the fact that he did not. Now, Orlovsky didn't have, what, Montana in his top 10? Oh, I don't know about that. I just, I knew the top five. He bumped him above him. I didn't see Montana in his deal. Not having Montana in the top five is even egregious to me. That has to be a, 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 a clickbait deal, right? Well, look, I, I respect his opinion as much as I vehemently disagree with it. But going back to Mahomes, look, that Super Bowl on Sunday is going to come down to the front lines. Can Kansas City stave off that Philadelphia pass rush? Okay. And then also, can the Kansas City defensive front contain the running game? Because if they're just going to give up six, seven-yard chunks at a time, then guess what, Coach? Jalen Hurts doesn't have to be great. That's all they do is they set up second and three, second and four, third and one, and they just convert, and then they set up play-action shots to the second and third level. They they do make it easy or easier for Jalen Hurts. So it's not always just about the quarterback. But if Mahomes puts up another, let's say, mediocre game, and throws an interception or three, you do have to start questioning his all-time greatness. Now, with that being said, regardless of the result in 96 or so hours, if you ask GM and player personnel uh, members across the National Football League, I still have a feeling that Mahomes would be the number one pick with a lot of these guys, if you had to redraft the league of all the current players, number 15 would still be the number one pick to a majority of these guys. But from a historical standpoint, if he puts up another dud, I don't want to hear his name with Montana. Hey, I, I really don't. I love the narrative when people in the chat are like, a mediocre game still puts him in Super Bowl three times. Well, Jim Kelly went to four. Um uh, Trent Dilfer won one because of his defense. Um, why can we not say the AFC West is basically, in the last four years, the AFC East that Tom Brady benefited from for 20 years with the Bills, the Jets, and the Dolphins all being horrible? Like, this is a team, Steve, that has not had to play away from Arrowhead in a playoff game yet in his career. He hasn't had to leave his home confinement. Like, do we not realize that he's playing his games at home and still managed to lose to Burrow last year? 
at home. He has yet to win a – he's yet to perform great in a Super Bowl, and I don't believe you can ever name a guy great and an all-time GOAT status guy if he continues to be mediocre or subpar in a Super Bowl when the lights shine the brightest. Right, and, and look – you can't have it both ways. You can't say the Super Bowl is your defining moment, and then if in that game you struggle. Now, I, I, let's be fair to Mahomes. He was not great in the game that they won. And, and in fact, for most of that game, it looked like Jimmy Garoppolo was going to win the MVP, right? The, the other Super Bowl that Mahomes really struggled in, they had no offensive line. The, 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 the Chiefs had no ability to block up front, and they couldn't run the ball, and Mahomes had to play hero ball. He was scrambling that whole game, throwing like halfway when he's diving at the ground. I, I don't think I'd necessarily hold that against him. But again, when you talk about Mahomes' effectiveness and his numbers, it's a lot like basketball. Style of play matters. Um, you know, what Trent Dilper said about rerouting receivers, being physical over the middle, being able to get smashed across the face as a quarterback. And to be hit hard and be driven into the ground. And for receivers not to worry about what's going to happen if I catch this ball in a bang eight. Um, you're not facing the same roadblocks or the physicality that you were 25, 30, 40 years ago. That is absolutely a factor. This is now, they have now evolved this game into a glorified version of seven on seven. Let's just be honest about it. There's nothing wrong with it because Patrick Mahomes can only play in the era that he was born to. But with that said, if we're going to say the Super Bowl is a defining game, we can't make excuses for any player, for any player, if they do not rise to that level of that game. Because that's the difference between, for me, Michael Jordan and LeBron James. LeBron James has had some NBA finals where he's been less than incredible. He's been very good, but he hasn't been great. Michael Jordan, in every single final that he played in, was by far the best player. In both three teams, he was the best player on the court every time. I'm not finishing Patrick Mahomes for playing at home. Their teams deserve to win there. I'm not a fucking idiot. So some of the crowd here in the chat, they, they always love to say dumb shit. But what I'm saying is you cannot perform shitty in a Super Bowl on a neutral field when you have home court advantage, home field advantage, Every single year. That is telling us something. That wait until he has to play on the road. And he's already lost to Burrow at home in a meaningful game. What do you have to do to understand that is what we're saying? We're not saying we're punishing Patrick Mahomes for playing at home. We're not saying he should just, oh, I'm going to lose the game because we're playing at home. We're not idiots. What I'm saying is he's yet to perform very well in a Super Bowl. So by him having home court field advantage every year, it is it is making people wonder, okay, well, God, God, thank God he's not on the road every year. He may not have ever been to a Super Bowl because he doesn't play very well on neutral fields. We know that. So I, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get into that um that whole deal. I just want to get your take on this Aaron Rodgers thing. You don't care about the darkness retreat. Uh here's my take. Here's my take on the deal. Jason said he's transparent. Um, a lot of people do weird shit out there that we we, we don't see. I get it. I'd rather not see it. 
I'd rather not see the weird shit. Like, Aaron is just always saying some weird shit to me. And I'm just like, dude, go win a Super Bowl because Patrick Mahomes is about to overtake your ass this year. Well, it's already happened. He's on his third Super Bowl. And look, I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan, but I am also very realistic. He's a bit of an oddball. He's a bit of an outlier. I actually respect that because he's taken some stances that I think were very difficult and put him in a negative light with the mainstream media. And for that right there, um, I, I believe is admirable. However, I don't know if he's done the things that other quarterbacks or quarterback of his stature should. Like, you don't hear about him throwing two receivers in his own time, nurturing young guys, being that big brother, or making sure that, hey, I got new receivers to break in. I'm going to fly these guys in, and we're going we're gonna to run routes. I see a lot of other quarterbacks do that. Meanwhile, Aaron is out there climbing the Himalayas, smoking a reefer, getting in touch with the spiritual side. I guess that's great, but I don't, I don't necessarily need a Zen master at quarterback. I'd rather have a quarterback at quarterback that understands the responsibilities of being a franchise QB. Now, look, Romeo Dobbs and Watson, it looks like they have some promise. They made some strides this year. And if he's going to stick with Green Bay, instead of doing all that stuff, how about just devoting an offseason to them and saying, guys, I'm running out of time here. The sands of time are now running low for me. Help me get to where I want to be because I'm going to help you get to where you want to be. It's a partnership. And I don't know if Aaron has always been the most optimal partner as a franchise quarterback. Are you bet? Are you are you are you willing to make this bet? Uh, what what Ayuk bet and said I'm gonna nah. I'm gonna bet everything on the Chiefs. Are you willing? He's played both teams. He's saying that uh, from an NFL perspective, at playing after playing both teams this year, uh, the Eagles most recently beat him without a quarterback. I guess he thinks that they could have beat them with a quarterback. Obviously, uh, the Chiefs dissected them. I believe that's more Andy Reid than it is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think Kelsey's going to have a big day. This is my prediction. We're going to break it down tomorrow, me and Sean and I. Uh, so we're going to break Mahomes down some more. But here's my prediction, Steve. I believe Kelsey's going to have – I would bet the over on anything Kelsey does tomorrow because the Kansas City wideouts are hurt. They are injured. He has no real weapons outside. If, Juice, if Schuster Smith's okay and healthy and Scantling can play – uh, Hardman's out. Their speed guy's out. They're going to have to use Pacheco in the slot more than they would want to, I believe, because of his speed and quickness. Uh, I think he's going to target Kelsey. I think it's going to he's going to hit him a lot often early, and I think the Eagles are going to let him hit Kelsey early. They're going to rally to the rock. The Eagles are very, very fast on defense. He's got a hobbled ankle, even though we know he can play on it. He's not 100%, and this is a new defensive line. He has not faced this this type of animal this year. Um, I, I, I'm going to make my predictions later, but I think that he's going to have a success early with Kelsey, and I think Kelsey's going to be the high part of this game. He's going to be the one bright spot. I don't think he has enough uh, weapons outside to beat this Eagles defense on a consistent basis. I think the Eagles gash him in the run game and isolate Chris Jones. And I think that uh, Hurts will make enough plays. I don't think Hurts is going to beat him with his arm at all. 
But I think he'll make enough plays in that run game. And if they run for 200 yards, I think they're just going to be able to uh, dominate the line of scrimmage in time of possession. And Hurts really don't have to throw for a lot of yards to beat them. If I am the Philadelphia D coordinator, I make sure every play Kelsey gets hit. I don't allow him a single free release. I would make sure that I take the school of Bill Belichick because he believes that jam everybody that you think can hurt you, at least create a little bit of doubt and delay. I just look at both teams. Look, the brilliance of Patrick Mahomes, the wizardry of Andy Reid. However, across the board, which roster would you have? Would you rather have Philadelphia, isn't it? Yeah. On both sides of the ball. Yeah. Um, and Philadelphia has a true number it's one. Nice quarterback and maybe tight end, even though Goddard's right. really good. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah. You have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. They get set up really nice. Dominant offensive line, great defensive line. Um, playmaking cornerbacks. And they just, look, they were, what are they? They lost one game this year, didn't they? I mean, teams like that have a way of just saying, hey, look, we're the team of destiny if there is such a thing. I just look at them. And look, Chiefs are good. But Philadelphia just seems a little bit more like the physical team. And, Coach, I'm just telling you, in that first drive or two, if Hurts can just hand the ball off and they're gashing him for five, six, seven, game over. Game over because they're going to be able to control the clock. Yeah. And if they can just keep grinding out first downs, well, that's perfect for Sirianni. Keep Mahomes on the bench. I just when I – when I watched both games a couple of weeks ago with you, I just said to myself, or uh, the week before even, I said – Philadelphia just looks like the superior squad top to bottom. Now, if Mahomes is able to have a monster game, let's say 450 to 500 yards, four touchdowns, and he does wizardry, and he is the difference, now his status, now we got to really think about it. Like, yeah, because in his first five years, if you can go to three Super Bowls and win two, you are arcing in a very, very positive direction that very few quarterbacks ever have. The guy in the chat, Wyatt Carlson, said a few weeks ago, I said the Chiefs had the best roster. I did not say they had the best roster in fucking football. I said they had the best roster Andy Reid has coached. I said these mm. last four teams, you argue the Chiefs have had the best roster in football, not this year, that they've had, period, in the NFL, and he's only had one Super Bowl, and you guys call him the GOAT. Right. Oh, by the way, yeah, someone else mentioned Jalen Hurts has had one loss. You're right. The other two losses came with Gardner Minshew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's 20, I think he's 20. He's uh 19 and one. Uh, no, he's 21 and two and 19 and one in this in the last whatever. Yeah, and coach, look, Hurts. It's interesting about Hurts. Sometimes you watch him play, and you think, wow, he's really good. And you look at his stats; it's underwhelming. But this is where you have to give him credit. His threat as the plus one in that running game, I mean, your ends have to stay home. You can't necessarily crash. They do a lot of that eye candy. And then, look, when it comes to, like, third and one, fourth and one, they're the best quarterbacking sneak team post-Tom Brady I've ever seen because they just get up into that rugby scrum. Both backs are right near him, and they push him forward. His ability to be a threat in the running game and then also – extend drives with his physical nature or his legs is so key. So even when he only throws for about 150 to 200 yards, 
you look at the actual game, he is perfect for what they do. Nah, he, he is. I'm I'm it's gonna be interesting. Um can't wait to watch it. I know uh, Steve's coming down. I'm 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 gonna smoke a brisket. Oh, I can't wait. I'm gonna make some try. I cannot wait. Oh my god. Wings, some big jumbo ass wings I had ordered. Um I got that for little little oh. snacks. Uh and then you know, got the normal shit. And then uh we'll we'll be kicking it off. Uh come whenever, man. Um don't bring Mario because he's a little guy. I'm I'm gonna have to you know I'm gonna have to tie you on to it, yeah, you know what's funny? Mario asked me, hey, 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 Kim, what are you doing for the Super Bowl? And I go, I'm going to Coach JB's house. He goes, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> I got to be around football people. Got to be around football people. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You got to be around on the Super Bowl. You know, yeah. by the way, um, did you you got to watch that 30 for 30, the Bullies of Baltimore. I, I thought it was excellent. It was really poignant because of the death of the goose, Tony Sarah. You know, Tony died a month after they taped where they had that auditorium, like they had a meeting, they had a group thing where all the fans showed up. So the timing was really good, but it goes to show you how different the game is. Because one of the things that they talked about was when, Go when, when the Goose knocked out Rich Cannon. That's a yeah. penalty nowadays because he put his weight on him. Yeah. And Tony Siragusa, he flat out cussed out Phil Sims at the production meeting for the Super Bowl because Sims was, was uh, complaining that it's a penalty, you shouldn't do it. And Siragusa got fined $10,000. So they meet CBS and he comes right over to Sims. He goes, hey, Sims, since they both live in Jersey, if you see your garden with a bunch of plants and stuff missing, that's me taking back my $10,000, you fugazi. Like he was serious about it too, but I mean, it was great. And it's just the greatness of Ray Lewis. I know you try to troll and say Ray's not the greatest linebacker ever. That's just for a fact. I know you don't mean that. But God, Raymond I, Anthony I, Lewis. I 100% agree. Yeah, you're you're foolish. Get out of here. I There's never been a leader like Raymond Anthony Lewis. I just wow. He just set the standard. I what wonder. If that, I wonder if Ray Lewis went to Florida State, would he still have the same sentiment? God, no, he wouldn't be the same player or man that he became. That, I, that's, I, that, that's the reality, by God the way. Damn, he, he went to Florida State. Wonder if he'd still have the same. Well, he wouldn't have gotten the football schooling. He wouldn't have. He would not have been forged to the greatness that he became. Could you imagine the '94 Miami defense had Warren Sapp at tackle, Kennard Lang first round draft choice at end, Kenny Holmes first round draft at end, and then it had Ray Lewis backing him up. One of our better. One of their better defense. I don't say our. Their better defenses. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, I liked Erlacher's career. I liked Derek Brooks' career. They were I, good. They weren't Ray Lewis. Single Terry. Terry's great. Uh, there's been a lot of linebackers. I mean, come on. Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis played 15 London years. London Fletcher was a good player. Do not put him in the same class as Ray Lewis. Are you see now you're trolling? I know what I you're like, doing. I like fucking with Steve. London Fletcher was by far. Uh by far. Oh, by far. Okay. <laughs> by far shorter. That's what you mean. By far shorter. Yes, uh, uh Spikes. There was all kind of guys, man. Ray Lewis is one of the only players, I think the only player. That is 40 for 40 or 30 for 30 in sacks and interceptions. And that's as a mic. Let me ask you something. That's as a mic. Two questions real quick. I got to ask you uh, as you leave. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the single greatest football player 
to ever walk the earth is who? Player. Player. Not. I don't care if he's a kicker. Who is the single greatest? Oh, I've said this for a while. And in his position, he was the most dominant for the longest. Jerry Rice. Oh! Yeah. Yeah. Guy played 20 years and 17 of them or 18. He was incredibly dominant. Nobody played his position better than Jerry Rice did for as long as he did. Who's your guy? So when I look at this question, it's very, very hard to answer because nobody will ever know this question and the answer to it. But, Steve, in my opinion, if you're going to be the greatest football player of all time, you have to be able to control the game in some aspect. I don't think Jerry Rice could control the game. He depended on a quarterback getting him the rock. He depended on an offensive line protecting for that quarterback. All right, that's fair. So there's a lot of things. Lawrence Taylor, in my opinion, by far, is the greatest football player that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, look, there's an argument for that. A lot of people will say Jim Brown. But Lawrence Taylor was interesting. He took a lot of plays off, though, didn't he? For as great as he was, there were games he was not that engaged. He liked nose candy. Well, I mean, who doesn't? But I'm just saying, I, look, Lawrence. I meet him. He's a, he's a hell of a dude. He was no, working at the Penny Warehouse, by the way. But Lawrence also had some help. Carl Banks was an unbelievable bookend. The perfect yeah. bookend. If he was Jordan, Banks was Pippen, and Harry Carson anchoring inside. Lawrence Taylor is on a very Jim short Burt, list. Jim Burt, remember him? Jim Burt from UM, little spark plug, good little nose guard. They had they had Leonard Marshall, who nearly killed uh, Joe uh, Montana. Then they had, uh, who was it? It was also George Martin was a really good player. Yeah, Lawrence Taylor is certainly on that very short list of all-time football players. Jim Brown would have to be given credit. Look, Deion Sanders for the impact that he made. The, any player that could take away half the field where you know, like, we're not throwing to whatever side 21's on, that has to be given credit. But, you know, about eight, nine years ago, Coach, the NFL uh, Network did the top 100 greatest players of all time. They asked players, writers, football coaches, and, you know, GM. People are in football. So these are educated people. Number one was Jerry Rice. Coach, if you look at how far he – what he did at wide receiver – in that era, and he's the – I don't want to hear that Randy Moss was better than Jerry Rice. No, he wasn't. And, and Randy Moss quit on teams. He took plays off. Jerry Rice didn't. Jerry Rice can run every route. Jerry Rice was unbelievable with the ball in his hands. He was tough. He caught the ball extremely well. Played in big games. You want to talk about a postseason superstar? That was Jerry Rice. And so – but you're right. He is dependent on other factors. So greatest offensive lineman. Now, there's a guy that makes an impact. You could say John Hanna, Anthony Munoz, guys like that, or Deacon uh, Jones. And Jackie Slater. Uh, there's a lot of big-time left tackles. Uh, I, I'm a Steve Jonathan Largent. Ogden. I'm going to defend the white receiver. I like Steve Largent. Uh, I'm one of I'm Steve Largent's the best receiver of all. I'm just fucking with you. Uh, I, I like I like Steve Largent though. Don't get it twisted. He's all time great. He is. Steve Largent in today's game would catch about 140 passes in the slot. Yes, he's a he went I mean, as fast as Cooper Cup. But I'm telling you right now, if you don't want, if you haven't watched uh, Steve Largent, you need to go watch Steve him. Steve Largent had to deal with cornerbacks like Lester Hayes, where they could jostle you. Um, not I don't mean just the five yard press, but. 
He had to play in an era with guys like Mike Haynes. Yes. Okay, guys of that ilk when it was much tougher. And one thing about Largen, if you watch his highlight reel, he actually got deep a lot. He knew how to set guys up with double moves. So he was an absolute wizard. But in today's game where everyone's going 3-4 and sometimes 5 wide, Steve Largent would be hell on those option routes. He he would be the original Wes Welker. And an yeah. unbelievable ability to make tough catches. And he was You're very physical. physical though. Well, he was small, but he was tough. Yeah, he was a physical guy. He he had some he had a little wiggle. Uh so you're all right, Steve Kim's prediction. I'm taking everybody's guest this week's predictions. Uh Sunday, who do you got? I have the Philadelphia Eagles 34-24. I think they're just again too physical on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Um if you had to bet on something like Big time bet. What is it going to be? For my forecast to come true, the, the Eagles will rush for 150 plus yards. I got What's the over under on the rushing yards. Putting a hundred k on the fucking coin flip, Steve. Yeah, see, I mean, well, you're playing one out of two. I mean, the odds—that's like that's a little bit of Russian roulette with the two shooter. What there's such a thing, but I might do it. I might have Pat Perez drop me a, a, a bet for me, heads or tails. Fuck it, one out of two, and they pay you instantly. Yeah. Okay. So, but I will say this: for my forecast for the game to come true, the Eagles will have to run for 150 plus yards, and if they get to 200, the game might be a blowout. Because that just means Mahomes is never on the field. So I, I would like to see what is the over-under for total rush yards for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I don't know. You said total over and under? Yeah, for yards. Team team rushing yards for the Eagles. It has to be in the mid-100s. That's what they do. And they like to pound you inside, give you a lot of that eye candy, You know, make sure that Hurts is a threat at that mesh point so the ends can't crash in. And it opens up everything else. If they, I'm just telling you, if they can run for 150 plus yards, this game will probably be a blowout. Um, some of the prop, some of the props, uh, they got like Boston Scott, you know, plus 500 to score a touchdown. Okay. Uh, let me see, team wise, uh, over and under yards. I don't see. I don't know where to look at that. I hate doing betting shit. Um, I'm not a betting guy like that. I'm just gonna bet players when I go look at it. Uh, I don't know. It's got. I would agree though. Um, they average 155 a game. They've averaged 153.6 a game since 2021. Um, so I don't know what their over and under uh, rushing is, but it looks like it's looks like it's 130. 130. I will take the over. That's what they do. That's what they do. I will take the over on that. Over 130. Yes. Okay. I'll, I'll go over. And the Eagles hit- changed up to now 1.5. They're a point and a half favorite now. Mm, okay. And that's changing. That's changing every day. Kansas City was favored, remember? Really? Yeah. And so that, that means a lot of the early money must have gone on Philly. So keep that in mind. Yeah, exactly right. Um, well, Hey man, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you coming on. If you if you get time, maybe Friday, jump back on. We'll yeah. talk more Super Bowl. Um, if not, I'll see you Sunday. And see you uh, Sunday. 
You're stuck with me the whole day. I can't wait to eat you out of house and home and no, drink. Wow. And I can't wait for ass to fuck your leg. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, thanks. Later. Um, Ash, uh, my my dog absolutely loves Steve. Steve walks out. He comes in sweats now because, you know, you got to just let Ash finish at this point. You just got to let Ash finish. He's got a lot of his daddy in him, a lot of stogie in him. Not me, not me. Uh, he got a lot of stogie in him. He likes uh, he likes grasping onto the leg. Nah, he really don't fuck with Steve's leg. He actually just jumps on Steve and gets slobber all over him. So Steve wears uh, the most uh, average uh, attire you can wear because Ash is going to absolutely destroy it with fucking saliva. Um, had to drop that bomb on on Jason Whitlock. Had to prove the. I had to show him the proof. 45 a year, D1. And, you know, he, he came out there. The job, they had one kid get a scholarship, Division One scholarship like in, it. like, the last four years before I got there. We had 101 Division One kids sign in three years. National Dang. national record. Love it. Um, Come on, Jace. That, that's hard for me to believe. Love it. A Google, junior Google college, it. 101 kids. That's Division One. <laughs> I had to love. I had to. I had to. I had to show him back in the day. Had to pull that up on him. I appreciate Jason Whitlock joining the show this morning. First thing right out the gate, Steve Kim joined me uh, with him. Uh, you got a little bit of fearless right here on the Coach JB show. Uh, we're not done today, man. We still got guests after guests joining the show. Um, we have uh, Chase Senior special announcement. Chase Senior is at Radio Row. On Chat Sports, he is only time to join me is at 9 a.m. So we're going to extend this show a little longer than normal. So we're going to go right into it live. He's going to be live right there near Pat McAfee's show. He's going to jump on this show at 9 a.m. Pacific. And so that's usually when we end this show. So we will have an extended show. Chase will jump on live from Radio Row. We'll break down. Uh, what the buzz is in Arizona about the Super Bowl. Uh, before that, though, we will have Ram legend, all-decade NFL player, uh, Tioka Jackson. If you don't know who that is, he'll be joining us. Played for the St. Louis Rams, Dolphins, Buccaneers, Detroit Lions. He retired back in 06. Um, he was uh, he, he's a uh, hell of a player. Played for Mike I played for Don Shula uh, and the Dolphins, plus Mike Shula, Don's son. Uh, played in the playoffs for the Dolphins. Debuted in the playoffs for the Dolphins in 94-95. And then he played for Tony Dungy for five years. And then he played on the Super Bowl-winning Rams teams, um, that the team that lost to the Patriots uh, on the greatest show in turf. And that was Super Bowl 36, I believe. And then he was named to the St. Louis Rams 10th anniversary team. So he's going to join us, uh, does a lot of community work. He will be joining us in about 20 minutes. And then uh, between now and then, you got me solo, and then you'll get Tioka, you'll get Chase Sr. Loaded show today, man. Uh, don't go anywhere. I appreciate you guys. Hit that like button, subscribe. Become a member if you're not one. Um, I appreciate everybody dropping the uh, super chats in there. They want Isaac Lords out of here. I got, to, I saw that. Uh, <laughs> they think Isaac Lords is Bruce Helms. Isaac Lords, man, you're gonna have to call. You're gonna have to call in. Uh, we got a lot of sus uh, people. Your generation call it sus. 
Uh, they, there's a lot of sus out there about your ass. Who you are? Who are you, Isaac Lords? Who are you? Um, gotta, gotta ask, dog. We gotta ask. Uh, but what do I know? Uh, I'll be back in three minutes. Take a piss, get a coffee. Much love to everybody. Pound that like button. Don't go nowhere, man. A great show still on the other side. But what do I know when I talk about the transfer portal being as shitty as it is, watering down college football? But what do I know when I say the landscape is completely open to anyone beating anyone? Have I not said it on this show? Did I not say it just a couple days ago? Did I not do a video on Twitter about it? Did I not talk about it on my shows here? And people just, nah, coach, hell no. Really? So, Appalachian State goes into AM, a $40 million booster loaded roster. Coach makes $10 million a year. The head coach, Coach Clark at, at Appalachian, uh, Appalachian State, makes $425K a year. But what do I know? Appalachian State has one four-star player on their roster, FYI. One. Texas A&M has 56 four- or five-star players. Go look it up. Go Google it. Go check it out. Go look it up. 40 dollars the head coach makes. Texas A&M special teams coordinator makes $1 million. So what do you think Appalachian State special teams coordinator makes? I'd say maybe 100K. Maybe 100K. Maybe 100K. Maybe 100K. What do you think their quarterback coach makes? 45, 50. You know A&M's quarterback coach makes? $325,000. Almost as much as the head football coach at Appalachian State. But what do I know when I say it's watered down and Appalachian State deserves to not have themselves even mentioned with the Texas A&M when it comes to going to their fucking house and beating them in a low-scoring affair when they just scored 61 points on North Carolina, another Power 5 team. So now Appalachian State can show that they can score 60 on you in a Power 5 school, and they can show they can beat you, a higher-ranked team, in a low-scoring affair. But what do I know? (laughs) 56 four- and five-star players. Appalachian State has one. And by the way, Bruce Helms, they did it to Michigan in 2007. They weren't even a Division I team yet. I hope you do know that. They were an FCS school at the time they beat Michigan. So but what do I know? You think they're in good hands with the QB they got, huh? Oh man, definitely, man. I appreciate uh, appreciate you, man. But yeah, I think I think Kentucky's in in uh, good hands with Will Levis, man. I believe that's a prototypical style. Uh, pro quarterback, you know, with, uh, with Nick Scangarella coming in as the OC, a former OC of the NFL, having a guy like Liam Cohen last year, you know, introducing that new style of offense, which was one of the most exciting times to watch a Kentucky offense play. Uh, you know, no disrespect to anybody that was, you know, a part of the offenses before, but, you know, just being able to see Kentucky run the ball, 
and then be able to throw the ball vertically downfield and be able to connect and actually be a threat down the field for SEC defensive back groups. It's, you know, pretty exciting to watch with a guy like Will Levis, who's not afraid to throw it. The one thing I will say, you know, I mean, you look back at the guy's stats last year, you know, maybe had a, a couple interceptions more than what you wanted, but, you know, the guy's not afraid to throw it. And that's a guy I want back there at quarterback. I want a guy that's not afraid to try to fit that son of a bitch in there between double coverage because, hell, if it works, it's going to be a hell of a play for us. But if it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, we got a hell of a defense back there. Let's go stop him and get the ball back in his hands. So, you know, I believe in number seven. I believe in what Coach Stoops is doing, putting guys in position to, you know, either make those play calls like Coach, uh, like Coach Scoge and, uh, you know, all right, all right, all right. My bad. I had a technical difficulty. Um, we are in here. Appreciate Jason Whitlock, fearless himself, joining me. Uh, Steve Kim, so far, uh, we've had uh, we've had a hell of a show. Uh, Chase Senior is going to join us at 9 a.m. Pacific. We're going to extend the show a little bit. So it's going to tie right over into the McAfee start over in the Radio Row. Obviously, a lot of you guys go over there. A lot of people. Uh, Chase is calling us from Radio Row right there near Pat McAfee's set. He'll be joining at 9 a.m. Pacific. And then uh, 8 a.m. Pacific, here in about 20 minutes, Tioka Jackson should be an interesting talk. Uh, former Ram, Buccaneer, Falcon, uh, Lion. He'll be joining me. Um we're going to talk Super Bowl predictions and uh, the current state of the NFL, how he feels about it, uh, plus some other shit. I got to get in some shit, though. We got a lot of things to discuss here. What the fuck is going on with Ben Affleck, Affleck and J-Lo? This is a little older, but I found this interesting. What the fuck did Ben whisper to J-Lo? Have you guys seen this right here? Lucy, have you seen this? No, I got to go. No, no, mom, no. Yeah, I gotta go, I gotta go. All right, I gotta, no, no, mom, no, mom, it wasn't the actual devil. No, they were just dressed as the devil, mom. Yeah, no, I have, I have to go. Yeah, yeah, you did warn me about Hollywood. Fucking weird ass shit. Why is everyone so fucking weird in entertainment business? Why is this motherfucker doing some weird ass shit? Why is everyone doing weird ass shit? I'm like, why are we doing this weirdo shit? Post Malone, J Lo. What's going on? What is going on with all these weird ass fucking people? Is it just the entertainment business? Is it the entertainment world? Every rapper. We saw, you know, Cardi B tonguing it up with Offset or whatever fuck his name is. Why is everybody so fucking weird? I'm just saying. It's a weird fucking thing. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's entertaining or not, but it's fucking weird shit. I'll be honest. The Saints meet with Derek Carr. If you guys haven't heard... The, the, the Raiders gave the Saints permission to speak with Derek Carr. So Derek Carr, he could be headed to New Orleans, Nolens. He could be headed to Nolens. Does Derek Carr fit in Nolens? I don't know. I don't know if he does at all. Um, but apparently he's he's had uh he's got he's got an opportunity to go. Um 
Aaron Rodgers says on Pat McAfee's show, his he's uh his future is going to be decided during a darkness retreat. Uh, if you guys haven't heard that, uh, that is a deal um, that you guys got to see. Listen, man, I'm gonna be honest. Um, I just don't. I don't know, man. I I really don't. I don't understand it. I don't know. I don't get it. Um, I'm not real big on all the bullshit. I just want you to play and ball, win you a couple rings, go out as one of the goats. Right now, you got to get another ring or you're fucked. Mahomes is passing you. Steve Kim thinks Mahomes has already passed you because he's been to his third Super Bowl. He's got the same amount of wins uh, in a Super Bowl as you have. And that is an argument. We can make that argument. We can sit here and make the argument. We can sit up here and make the argument that Mahomes has already surpassed Aaron Rodgers. Now, do I agree? Not necessarily. I don't believe that Mahomes has played long enough to say he has surpassed Aaron Rodgers. I think longevity is a crucial element in this business. I believe you have to put in the work and stay healthy and show that you can do it over amount of time. Mahomes is in fourth year. I don't know. I don't get the anointing of the GOAT status and all this old shit. Aaron Rodgers is a is a better ball spinner, flat-out ball thrower, passer, spinner um, than Mahomes is. So I don't want to even compare the two. Aaron Rodgers can flat out spin the ball probably as good as we've ever seen anyone spin the ball. Period. So I don't want to I don't want to hear that um but uh you know that is just my opinion. I don't think that that really is uh something to uh discuss other than uh Super Bowls. It's come down to Super Bowl wins now and Aaron Rodgers is going to have to win one. That's just how it is. He's going to have to win one. Um, LeBron James, shut up, Eddie. You always come back. Eddie's been gone for six weeks. Then he comes back in after his Cowboys choked and he, he had to eat crow. Eddie's disappeared. Now he wants to get on the LeBron thing. Eddie, the Lakers fucking lost, homie. You rather look good and lose than fucking win and look shitty, right? You're that guy, right? You need to go watch White Man Can't Jump, homie. I'd rather win the fucking game. Kobe wasn't going to fucking lose. Jordan wouldn't have lost that game. Fucking Shaq wouldn't have lost that game. Your fucking hero lost to the fucking OKC Thunder on a record-breaking night. And I'm the joke, motherfucker. He's a shitty-ass fucking great overhyped fucking he's the hype of all sports players lebron james is the biggest fucking overrated motherfucker i've ever seen plays in the softest era of all time and you fucking anoint him with a guy who never even fucking could shoot a three-pointer and played four years in college get the fuck out of here lebron is the softest softest fucking biggest bust clutch player of all time tell me a big time clutch shot he's made in his life that he doesn't pass off to Kyrie. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. That motherfucker's a bust. Miss me with the whole LeBron shit. Motherfucker, go back to sucking Dak Prescott's dick, homie. How'd that work out? 
They fucking lost. You motherfuckers lost, and you thought that was... I know the law. I remember the loss more than that motherfucker breaking Kareem's record. Let's let that sink in. Let that sink in. He lost. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Um, motherfucker, sorry. Let me, let me ask you guys something. I'm going to ask you guys a question real quick. Who is the best player never to win a Super Bowl? Who is the best player to never win a Super Bowl? Let me ask you guys that. Who is that? I got to ask that question. Who is the greatest player to never win a Super Bowl? I'm going to I'm going to throw some names out there and I, I want to get your guys take. Randy Moss, Barry Sanders, Dan Marino, um who's the best player to never win a Super Bowl? Uh I, I gotta throw those names out there. There's some there's some great ones that have played um that have not won a Super Bowl. I'm curious as to who would you put in there? Do you put Josh Allen in there already? Do you put Burrow in there already? Do you put guys in that category already? Or do you go back to time and say, okay, Randy Moss, Barry Sanders, Dan Marino as obvious guys that never won it? Um, there's been some great ones, man. There's been some great ones that have never won a Super Bowl. So I'm just curious uh, to get your guys' take. Adrian Peterson. Um, I know somebody better not have said Andrew Luck, dog. Come on, man. Junior Seau, didn't he get him a ring in New England? Even though he broke his forearm, didn't he get him a ring? Um, Hector, I know you didn't say Gronk. Gronk has about, how many Super Bowls does Gronk have? Four? Or does he have seven? Does Gronk have seven Super Bowls too? No, Gronk wasn't there the whole time that Brady was there. How long? How many Super Bowls does Gronk have? Five? Four? Uh, Eddie Rome, Eddie Manyweather, dog. You are unbelievable, homie. You are the biggest homer I've ever seen. This motherfucker said Tony Romo. <laughs> this motherfucker said Des Bryant, homie. All-time great. Get the fuck out of here. How about Sterling Sharp? How about I put Sterling Sharp in there? Did Sterling Sharp win one? Um, Sterling Sharp. We had this whole debate about Sterling Sharp and, and greatness that he could have been. Top five receiver in all time, in my opinion. Uh, injuries cut him short. Injuries ended his career. I believe Sterling Sharp, skill set-wise, and what he did on the field. I don't give a fuck about your stats. You guys bring up stats as if they're the only telling thing that defines a player. If you only brought in stats into all Hall of Fame careers, then you need to take out half the motherfuckers in the Hall of Fame. If stats are the single defining factor that makes you a Hall of Famer, you need to take half the fuckers out of the Hall of Fame. Sterling Sharp, if you know anything about football whatsoever, <coughs> is a top five receiver of all fucking time. And why don't you go ask people 
like Brett Favre and John Elway and fucking NFL legendary quarterbacks, and they'll tell you that Sterling Sharp is a top five wide receiver of all time. Go go ask people. Go go ask people that have actually played the game. Not your friend on Twitter who's 21 years old who has never fucking busted a grape in a fruit fight. Don't ask that motherfucker. Ask someone who's actually played the game. Can you guys do that for me? Holy shit. Jim Kelly. I would put Jim Kelly in there. I would put Randy Moss in there. I would put Barry Sanders in there. I would put Dan Marino in there. Uh, there are some other great quarterbacks that never won. Uh, can't wait to see uh, Chase Sr. here in about an hour from Radio Row. Uh, Tyoka Jackson is going to join us here in about 10 minutes. Uh, we're going to break down the Super Bowl and all things Derek Carr uh, meeting with the Saints last night. Kyrie Irving says he felt disrespected in Brooklyn. I mean, the audacity and the balls on this guy who continues to get paid for missing work and then wants to blame someone else again. He's going to blame someone else. I hope the world's flat, motherfucker, because who are you going to blame when that shit comes out and shows you that the world's not flat? (laughs) I mean, this guy's a fucking idiot. We all agree, uh, or you agree to disagree. You can like Kyrie because he can dribble real good, but don't mi- just but miss me with the bullshit when it comes down to being a cancer. That motherfucker's a cancer. Jason Kidd took this motherfucker because Kyrie used to look up to Jason Kidd as one of his favorite players. Don't get it twisted. Kyrie looked up to Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd knows this. That's why he pushed to get Kyrie. He thinks he can control Kyrie. I want to give you a little fucking coaching tip, Jason Kidd. Don't ever trust these motherfuckers you coach. They will throw you under the bus in a New York minute. You are going to find out the hard way, Jason Kidd. You're going to find out the very, very hard way. That when this guy makes you pull out the fucking hair left on your head, if you have any, your neck hair is something, your ball hair is maybe, he might fucking have you pull out everything because your ass is going to lose your fucking mind. And when when Luka don't play and you're a below average team with Kyrie in the lineup, you are going to be like, fuck, we got rid of Finney Smith and Dinwiddie for this. Two good players to go along and compliment Luka. Now you've put in a shitbird cancer in the locker room. Plus, if Luca ain't healthy, you got two ball dominant ball handlers out there. I don't see it working, dog. I see it working early on. I see people getting all hyped up about Luca and Kyrie. I don't see it working in the long run. I see Kyrie asking to be traded by the end of the season, uh, or he's going to be a free agent. There, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if they just sign him on this on the rest of the year and they make him a free agent at the end of the year and he ends up playing with LeBron in the in LA for the rest. I I, I think that's a play. I think they're playing that shit quietly because the Lakers got to get rid of Westbrook and AD 
and they're going to have to figure this thing out. I'm telling you, Kyrie and LeBron are talking all the time. You know they're trying to make a ploy to get Kyrie in L.A. so he can spread the cancer amongst the L.A. Uh, faithful, and now you're going to have this whole shit show. Kyrie confused shit. That ain't even the word. Man, all you guys in here need to win. All you guys in here, please join, become a member. If you're not a member, become one. It's a dollar fucking ninety nine a month. Uh, become a member. Some of you guys need to re up your memberships. Uh, Two ninety nine a month for the Discord. Make sure you come on over to Slap Nation Discord and chat with all of us every day. We have some eventful ones. Uh, Brian Martinez, I don't see him today. He's usually a faithful uh, community member. He's in the Discord. Uh, I give him shit about LeBron every single day in the Discord. I don't see him today. Um, I would think he would see him today talking that big shit that LeBron broke the record last night. So uh, I don't see I don't see Brian today. Um, hope he's all right. He is in L.A. after all. You never know what can happen on the in the concrete jungle. Um, but Brian's not here. The Discord uh, is 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 cool. You guys get to. Uh, you guys get to see it. Um, Zaydon Hicks, who are you talking to about never hooped? Who the fuck you talking to? <laughs> see, a lot of you motherfuckers just talk out your ass. First of all, Zaydon Hicks, I hope you're not talking to me because you need to go fucking Google me, motherfucker. So, number one. Number two, guess what? I was a sixth man on a team that had five NBA starters. <laughs> you should go Google me before you talk out your ass. Because you're another dick rider who don't know better. So unless you know who I am and who the fuck, what I've done, shut the fuck up. Because you sound like a bitch-made cat who knows nothing. Who knows absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> you better go ask somebody, motherfucker. I'll take your ass to the rack with the left. Shoot your eye out. Jimmy crack corn. I'll fucking glove your shit, pin your shit on the backboard. I'll fucking elbow you right in your lungs. You wouldn't be able to play with me anyway. And if you tried to go up and dunk the ball, you'd be fucking flipped and you would land on your neck and you would never play basketball again. So that's who I am, motherfucker. You better go ask somebody. Get the fuck out of here with your troll ass. Uh, Don Staley, if you don't know who it is, she's the head women's basketball coach for the South Carolina Gamecocks, the best team in basketball right now on the women's side she came after gino ariyama who i like a lot i think gino is one of the best leaders uh coaches of all time regardless of gender regardless of sport i got gino ariyama in my top five coaches of all time right up there with john wooden phil jackson bill parcells and belichick don shula sitting right outside i got gino ariyama right in there he came out and basically told Don Staley, after beating him, that our best player comes out of these games with bruises and black and blue. Don Staley came out and said, I defend my players. We play the right way. We play hard. We play physical. And now you want to come out and use excuses. Don Staley and Gino Ariyama, has this become a new rivalry in sports? Has South Carolina and the UConn women basketball players teams become a new arch rivalry 
I believe they have. I believe I think it is great for women's basketball. I believe it's great for basketball in general. It gives a little bit of love and excitement back into college basketball, which has been absolutely horrific. I do not watch college basketball no more. I used to be able to pop on a Tuesday on ESPN and watch fucking Wake Forest and Randolph Childress play against North Carolina and Jerry Stackhouse and have a fucking great time watching good basketball. Nowadays, you don't even know who's playing in college basketball. You don't know anyone. You can watch a guy play at North Carolina today and the motherfuckers at Wake Forest tomorrow because he entered the transfer portal. You don't know anything about this shit. You got teams that we don't even never even heard of are winning in the tournament. The water, it's watered down. Football is becoming the same way. I can't watch it. I won't. I won't watch it. But in women's basketball, Don Staley has won him won a few titles um, in basketball, and Gina Ariyama and her are going back at it, back and forth. So I, uh, I like it. I like what uh, what he's doing. So you know, we'll see. Um, man, without further ado, I gotta I gotta bring in my main man. I'm gonna put him on the ticker. So if you guys don't know, make sure you guys follow uh, Tayoka Jackson on spe- on social media. Um, uh, his it's on the ticker right there below. Uh, welcome in, uh, my man Tayoka Jackson. What's up, brother? I appreciate you joining me, man. How you doing? I'm great, coach. How you doing, bro? And I'm good, man. I'm good, man. You, hey, man, you were one of my favorite Rams back in the day. I wish it was in LA, but I I know you had to go with uh, Big Georgier Frontier uh back to St. Louis. Man, <laughs> you missed football for a long time. Let me ask you something, man. I appreciate yeah. you coming on. Just to start, yeah. just to think that way. Just coming out uh, thinking. Do you think L.A. is still yet to recover from losing y'all back then? Because we just won a Super Bowl, dog, and there was like seven people showed up to the goddamn uh, uh, parade. Yeah, you know, L.A. is is different, man. You know, the mentality out there is so much to do, so many distractions, so much so much laid back love. I love visiting. I love every time I come out there. I just left last week. I told you that. I had a great time. It's it's a different atmosphere and there's so many different things for people to do. So it is not a traditional sports town like St. Louis was, which is as good a sports town as there is in America, in my opinion. So, yeah, I, I, I think losing the team sort of created a little bit of a disconnect and probably rankled some feathers. And I think people are starting to get adjusted back to uh, having a team in L.A. That stadium is amazing. But listen, man, that's why that's why you see a lot of teams leave. I mean, it's just uh, in all sports, you just got so much you can do. Um, so many um, comp- so much competition for all these expendable dollars that are out there. And there's a lot of dollars out there in the L.A. area, uh, but it's a lot of competition, man. And so it will always be a Laker town and everybody else is just fending for everything else they can get. Lakers, Dodgers. Right. You know, yeah, Dodgers too, that's right. Yeah. It's always going to be those teams. Um <laughs> And, and, and the Rams were here forever, back in the gym every days. Uh, who, who's going to probably come on the show tomorrow from Radio Row? Uh, I like them. Good dude, man. Yeah, man. Jack yeah. Youngblood days. My uncle and Jack Youngblood are real close. Jack Youngblood broke a damn leg, played in the Super Bowl. Uh, got a chance so to meet him. That shit has changed. Those Crazy. days are gone, Yeah, right? Yeah, got, got a chance to meet him, man. He He's an amazing dude. Uh, you know, of course, Deacon Jones, man. That was one of my, my great thrills in my life meeting him in, in the weight room, man, and just get a chance to chop it up with him, the late Deacon, man, unbelievable. But, yeah, I mean, the rich history of L.A.'s uh, NFL sports and athletes have come through there, man. I mean, there's so many names, Ferragamo, 
and, and all these, and Wendell Tyler, all these guys that I've met, man, you know, over the years that I grew up watching, um, underrated in terms of the amount of talent that came through, uh, you know, weren't, wasn't able to win Super Bowls with all the talent that came through, but they were always in the mix. Um, and again, it's a, it's a great legacy, especially when you're going back in the 70s, 80s, and even before. Uh, with some of the great players they've had. So, you know, it, it really is a rich tradition, much richer than you would think people, younger people who don't know any better. You Lane, I mean, there's been some, there's been some OGs back in the day. Uh, it's been, it was interesting. You played 12 years, man. You got, yeah. you were undrafted by the Falcons, right? That's right. So, yeah, I mean, look, the, the average career is, is three years. The average career of an undrafted player is less than one. Um, and so now that I'm 51, I can look back with pride. You know, it was still the worst day of my life professionally not getting drafted. I still don't quite understand it. I left Penn State second all the time in sacks, man. But, you know, it is what it is. I was a little bit of a tweener. Uh, I didn't quite look the part as a defensive lineman in the NFL. But, you know, there's a lot of things that they can't quantify at that uh, at that combine. And so you're going to see mistakes made this year. Uh, with guys who went out and were warriors in shorts and wild all these people. And you would think by now they would know better, but it's the film that matters. And uh, sometimes you can't quantify what happens to a young man when you give him a million dollars. You can't quantify how, what happens to a young man when he gets yelled at for the first time. Coach, you know about that and always respected you for that, Coach. You, coach, you weren't no punk, man. A lot of There's a lot of punk-ass coaches in the NFL. Let me just say that. You who, are, who, who are afraid to coach up their players. And you get some, and then in college too, and you get oh, some players who come nice to the league. Worse. That's right. Exactly. And then you come to come to the NFL, and that's the first time you got yelled at. It, like, you know, you can't quantify how a guy's going to deal with that psychologically. Now you're not the best player in your meeting room. And now you got to compete. These are all things that are intangibles that they can't quantify with these standardized tests and running a 40 and doing a broad jump. And so those were things that I actually excelled at, man. And so I was able to persevere and get all the talent out of my, my body that I could get. And, uh, yeah, I'm really proud of that. That's why I'm, I'm actually happy for these kids, especially the inner city kids right now, that they don't have to fucking take the SAT, ACT. COVID, COVID allowed that standardized test to be abolished for right now. I'm sure they'll bring yeah. it back because these folks need this money. But at yeah. the end of the day, you know how many cats, like back in the, our day, we had Prop 48, Right. We had some different shit. If you didn't take the test, you could still get in. That's right. Now we've even heightened the, the bar. 2.5 GPA if you're in JUCO. And people don't realize, dog, JUCO's already hard enough. You have to make the GPA 2.5 when the when the general population of the student body, their GPA has to be a 2.0, and they can earn a scholarship out of JUCO <laughs> to, to yell. But a football player, majority inner city kids, especially my recruits, have to have a 2.5. Right. Like, now, people don't want to break that shit down, though. They don't want to really dive into that or dissect it. But You know what it is. You know what it is, Coach. That's why I'm on oh, this yeah. show. Because you always keep it real, right? Oh, yeah. Let's be honest about it. I've been saying, saying that shit forever. Exactly. And it's, it's institutionalized racism. And listen, I respect education. I got my degree, bro. I got a degree and a minor in business at Penn State. So don't come at me with I don't respect education. I, I did both. I played big time college football and I graduated from one of the top 50 universities in the, in the world. So I get what this is about in terms of the importance of education. However, don't tell me that standardized tests predict the ability to survive and, and flourish on a college campus. I did not score well, bro. I did not score well on my, on my SAT at all. I qualified, but it was not indicative of the type of hard work I was going to put in and the type of, 
you know, the drive I had to finish it, man. It was important to me. So, you know, I understand what's happening. These standardized tests are used to weed out players. The majority, vast majority of these players are have brown skin, and that's a problem. Um, but if you look at once they get on campus, the rate of success, we're still not graduating as as, as to the higher rate as, as our white peers, but it, we're graduating at a much better level than you think when you look at the numbers. So that tells us once we get on campus, we can get this done. But these standardized tests that are culturally biased, and again, I, I, we're not going to turn this into a soapbox for me, but I'm just telling you what it is. And again, I respect education, but those standardized tests do not correlate to how well you're going to do uh, in an educational environment once you get on campus. Hey, you from the uh, DMV? Absolutely, bro. PG Bishop, County. Bishop McNamara, they named the stadium after you, right? They did. You know it. <laughs> hey, I recruited you all. I recruited the area, man. I, I love the DMV. I think D.C. itself. D, I love D.C. I, I recruited Baloo. Yes. Uh, Washington. You name it. Carver. Yes. I, I recruited everybody in the D.C. area. Um, Look, they, they talk about basketball with the DMV as they should. Because nah, we, we are great in basketball. But when you look at per capita, the amount of NFL players we produce, given our smaller population, yep. it is unbelievable, man. Yep. Like football, we need to, people need to start recognizing DMV for the amount of football talent we've recruited. Hey, I'm telling you, I, I, I recruited the shit out of we, – so we played in basketball. We were a number one team in America when I played with the O'Bannon brothers and, and all okay. these different guys. Yep. And, and we went out there and played y'all, uh, DeMatha, back in the day. And we yep. played you there, and then we played you here. We went one and one. DeMatha was a powerhouse. We were a powerhouse. Um, it was unbelievable games. Yes. Uh, packed, packed places. So, And then I, got a, I got a sense of it when I went out there, and I saw it. And I'm like, I'm from Compton. So when I go to D.C., I'm like, shit, this motherfucker like Compton, <laughs> right? Right, absolutely. Like, so I, I always respected it. I'm like, shit. Well, when I became a head coach, Ty, a lot of cats don't realize this. I was the first one to be – I've always been an innovator. I was like, I'm always going to turn over rocks and figure out – I didn't figure it out and turn over rocks to for myself. Like, I was like, oh, I'm the one that invented this shit. Nah, I did it. I became an innovator to help kids figure a way. Right. And I was like, D.C., you're not a state. You're a district. Mm-hmm. And I came to California. I, I when I was a California head coach, I'm like, I went into these bylaws, dog, and I looked around and 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 I started figuring out there is a way to get DC kids to California as in-state residents right out the gate. Mm. And I was the first one that did it. I brought a shitload of DC kids to Compton, and mm. they played for me as in-state residents. And everybody started to hate on me around because I had some fucking dudes now. I had some yeah. freaks from D.C. Yeah. And we were killing it. And everyone's like, how you get all these D.C. kids? And and, and then, then it started to get out there that it, they were in state. Well, yeah, yeah. don't be mad at me, motherfucker, because I figured out a loophole. <laughs> all you're doing is reading the book that they wrote, right? Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I get I, it, bro. I got these kids as in-state residents because it was a district, not a state. Yes. And, and I brought them in. And, I, man, I'm going to tell you right now. First of all, people don't know. As a recruiter, you know these things. You know this because you're from there and seen it. Washington, D.C., per capita, is the worst education in America, period. The, less the, the, most, the least qualified players or student athletes come out of D.C. and Alabama. Those two places, and then Mississippi, I believe, is third, are the worst in the country. So why not? I go fucking kill it in JUCO. I'm going right. to go up there and grab all these cats and try to help them get their degrees from JUCO. Yeah. High school diploma as well. I've helped a lot of them do that yeah. too. 
and, um, and I think it's important to say, though, Coach, because everything you just said is true, but it doesn't indicate aptitude. It indicates a lack of funding and yeah. focus that we have so often in our D.C. schools. Man. More application, it's, applying themselves. That's exactly right. Right. And some direction. Correct. Correct. And so, look, I, one of my restaurants is located right down the street from Blue High School. You mentioned Blue, man. And I went to, to talk to, uh, to the students there. I created a, a program called Money Matters, and we teach in financial uh, education and literacy, right? But when I walked in the, into the library, a brand new school, the school had only been built for maybe two years. Unbelievably beautiful library, but the, the shelves were bare, man. I couldn't believe how many empty shelves was in that library. So we just decided that we were going to create an entrepreneurial ring, you know, and uh, and and put put books on that uh, on those shelves about financial literacy, about um, you know learning how to handle money. But that was just one small snippet. And shout out to Miss Jackson, the, the library. Um, I don't, they don't call them librarian anymore. I mean, we get this right. I believe it's uh, either the library tech or I'm sorry, Miss Jackson, but I get this right. She's gonna kill me for that. But she's in charge of the library system there, and we work together to put more books to, uh, to to expose these young people on how to handle their money. But the point the point is. I was just shocked at how little books that were on the shelves or how many were missing, you know, and that's just an, just one of the indications. But you're right. And, the, and these kids need direction. They need focus and understand that the sport that they're choosing is a tool. It is not the end all and be all. And that's what all young people need to understand. Use the game, whatever the game is. I don't care if it's golf, tennis, hockey, football, basketball, baseball. Use it as a tool to make your life better and those around you better. And, you know, Coach Bryant. Full name. What's Cobrant? He uh he's the head now. He's he's like the superintendent of inner city schools in DC. No, I do not. I, I know that the um I know that the sort of the athletic director for the entire uh city is a former teammate of mine, um Keith Goganis, the entire city of DC. Uh he played linebacker at Penn State and also played in the NFL linebacker for about 10 years, but no, I do not know the superintendent. Brian, Brian's been coaching. He was a coach at North Carolina Central. He was the okay. offensive coordinator at Prairie View. Right. Um, he's been he's been a coach for a long time, and he gave up football a few years back. He's now a superintendent out there in D.C. So he's from D.C. Though I mean, he's got the real draw, that D.C. draw, that accent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he comes in like JB. I'm gonna get you on this vodka and shit. You know. <laughs> like, uh, what, what do y'all What do y'all say? Uh, John, John. Yeah. So yeah, so so now that now that's Philly. No, hold up, bro. That's Philly. Don't get us mixed up with John. Don't don't. Yeah, get he's that. from DC though. But he say John. Yeah. John? Hold up, we gonna have to talk to him now. That's that Philly stuff, man. We call yeah Mo. We call dudes Mo. We call him Joe. He says that too. He says okay, that. all right. And we we don't say Maryland. We say Maryland. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, but, yeah. but we want to talk about that John, man. We have to sit down. Yeah, with Yeah, you have to sit down with him, dog. <laughs> he a good brother. You like him. He a good dude. Uh, it's interesting. He been yeah. He's out there though. He's he's one of them guys fighting. So you started yeah. the Jackson Investment Company. Is that still yours? Yeah. So you know, my dad, brother, and I we started a a real estate company while I was playing. Man, you know, being an undrafted free agent, you realize very quickly. Uh, that they can get you very expendable and you can get rid of you really quick, right? And and then going through my first two years of the, in the league, I was broken in the offseason. I, I didn't understand that, hey, they only pay you during the season and you better make that stuff last. I had no concept of, of budgeting and how to handle my money and put my money to work for me. And so after going two seasons of being broke and having to go to the Dolphins, who I finished my first year with, they claimed me off the practice squad. So I finished with, with Miami, having to go to them and get an advance on my workout bonus. I'm like, this is stupid, Ty. I got to... I got to do something else. This is this is not going to work. And so to my credit, although I didn't know much, I knew that what I was doing was wrong. 
Right. And so I just started, man, started reading books. I started, you know, I subscribed to Money Magazine and um, Black Enterprise and began to read and understand that, you know, putting your money to work is what I needed to do. And so my brother had an entrepreneurial spirit. My dad did. They had started, a, um, you know, a, a moving company years before that. And so we just got together and decided we we're going to get into real estate, man. And it, and it really was the catalyst uh, for everything I was able to do off the field. You know, we were able to bring the first two IHOPs ever to Washington, D.C. And we're proud about that, man. But it all started with a four unit apartment building over in Northeast D.C., right in the hood, man. On Ford? Say it again. At the eighth ward? Uh, that is, uh, in no, no, that is Ward 7. So the 8th Ward is where, um, Ward 8 is where our IHOP is. The first ever IHOP in D.C. is in Ward 8. You know, that's, that's uh, the late Marion Berry's old ward, man. You know, that is the belly of the beast, man. Compton and, and Southeast D.C., you know, Anacostia, man, they very similar. A lot of beautiful people come out of that place, but it's also some despair and some hopelessness, and they need, and that's why we put the first IHOP there, because we want to send a message. You can come to Southeast D.C., and not necessarily be a nonprofit and not necessarily be a liquor store. You can come and put a, an IHOP restaurant full service there inside that hood um, and, and be an oasis for people to come and get served the way they're supposed to. So we're really proud of that, man. So, you know, th those were some of the things we were able to do uh, off the field. Man, you've done. So you did a Tioka's Troops. Yeah. So so that was something we did uh, when I played in, in Tampa. I started it there. Uh, well, I would do blood drives. You know, I, I was, um, in fact, I was driving to to uh, to Penn State to see my daughter. She graduated from Penn State, but this was years ago when she was young. Um, and I was listening to the radio, man, some public radio, whatever. And they talked about it was a shortage in uh, of blood, uh, of blood around the country. This was years ago. And then I did some research and found out that um, sickle cell and other blood diseases are going untreated in the black and brown community because we don't give blood a lot. And so I decided I wanted to, to start something that uh, a lot of people weren't doing. And I wanted to do something for a community that was different. And uh, we started to do blood drives where I would give tickets uh, out to, to folks who would come out and, and donate blood. We did that in Tampa. We also did it in St. Louis. And uh, I'm really proud of that, man. You know, that was something that uh, helped raise awareness for blood diseases and also the lack of uh, black and brown participation as it relates to bone marrow and helping to treat some of these uh, blood cancers because it's, it's highly related to heredit uh, hereditary genetic deals and, you know, race on race. And so, you know, not always can you match, uh, you know, a person of color's uh, blood with someone who's not a color and vice versa. And so we just need to understand that we can help save our own lives if we just donate a pint of blood. It's not hard. It doesn't hurt, man. It's just going in, just donate and keep it moving. Yeah, people don't know that shit. I dealt with my dad had leukemia. and Okay. And, and then I grew up in Compton, so everyone I knew had sickle cell, brothers. Right, yeah. Black sickle cell, white leukemia. People don't realize it's like it's a different blood. Uh, it's a different, whole different deal. People don't yeah. really understand. You got right. your hands in a lot of shit, man. I I respect the hell out of it. I know you you did some other things um, with an elementary school. Um, that was that deal, and then you did some shit with the YMCA. Yeah. What is it called? Capital View. Yeah, so so I just was you know joined the board of the, the Capital View uh, branch of the YMCA, man, just trying to help. You know, it just it, look. I I was very fortunate. I grew up in a house with a mother and father that would be together to with me at all times. Um, very unselfish people. My dad, you know, quit school when he, when my mother became pregnant with uh, my my brother, uh, our old, her oldest kid, and, and so. Um, you know, it, it was, you know, she she had to drop out. He had to drop out. These are two individuals that didn't even graduate from high school that really pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and raised, you know, total of three kids, man. 
Um, he had my sister next and then, and then they had me uh, last. And so I'm just a product of them going through with my brother. He was a, he was a, a, a division one athlete, basketball player going through it, learning the ropes with my sister. And so by the time I came along, you know, everything was set up. They already knew how to do things. You know what I'm saying? I'm the youngest. And it's like, man, things were set up for me to succeed. And, and so I have a, a soft spot for, for kids who don't have the advantages I had, man. You know, I went to private school. My dad was able to afford it. Didn't send my brother and my sister to private school. But I was able to go to you know, private school, Bishop McNamara. So it's like, damn, I, I had to, 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 to win. I mean, it was set up for me, bro. I can't, I can't fumble this. And so then I got to figure out how can I expose people who may not have had the advantages I had uh, so that they can learn that there's an opportunity for them to. And, and so I just tried to do that as much as I could, bro. That's all. Now you, you, uh, you go to, you go to Miami. Um, then you go to the Rams. Your, your, your name is St. Louis Rams 10th anniversary team. You were named to that team. Um, that team, you guys, uh, you guys go and play the, the greatest show on tour. I got some friends on that team. Um, okay. So, I, I think Torrey Holt's one of the most underrated receivers of all time. Unbelievable. And um, Isaac Bruce, a California Juco guy, even though he's from Memphis, he played California Juco, Santa Monica Junior College here. I did not know that. I did yes. not know that. Wow. Tim, Steve hey. Smith, Chad Johnson all went to the same Juco. Unbelievable. Oh, I knew yeah. Chad and Steve played together, so I knew that about them. I did not know that uh, that Ike preceded them, man. Oh, yes. let, me, let, me, let me break this down. So yeah. Keyshawn Johnson played at West L.A. Junior College. Isaac Bruce was there as well. Isaac transferred, went to Santa Monica because he didn't want to share the rock with Keyshawn. <laughs> How about okay. that? Transfer. They also had a dude named Michael Black, played at Washington State, uh, got a shot in the league. He was a big-time back. It was shift like a Marshall Falk type of guy. Right. A lot of cats coming out of in that era. And there was a black head coach at Santa Monica named Robert Taylor. He's been uh, very influential uh, with a lot of black coaches associations. He, he, he got fired at Santa Monica – maybe 10 years ago or so. And uh, literally, man, like within two months, dies. Oh, wow. Because I'm just telling you, you know how it is. Look at, look at your Penn State. You played for one of the greatest of all time. All that controversy came down, and look how fast that man died afterwards. And football was his oxygen, and it sounds like that was that coach's oxygen too, man. Like, you, know, you know, in order to be a coach, bro, you got to be a lifer. There's a reason why I'm not a coach. Is the reason why you know I'm, I'm in twenty hour days, dog, bro. I, again, and I love football, but I don't really love it like that. Now, look, I I love it. Don't get me wrong, but that's another level of commitment, and not just to the game, but also to the kids. And and that's why I'm in the booth talking football. I love to do that, but that that coaching is a whole nother deal, man. That's what it is, though, Ty. It's for the twenty hour days. If you're a real one and you really want to do it the right way, wins and losses don't allow you to sleep at night. It's making sure the cat don't go to jail, get killed, uh, get kicked out of the four year. Don't you know that's the shit that makes you stay there twenty hours. Not yes. not trying to game plan to beat a fucking uh, team, especially in JUCO. Wins and losses don't mean shit. Nobody knows who won the national junior college championship last year. And and that's the thing when I watched the show uh, last uh, chance you when I watched you. You were at your angriest when she, when, when we won. Right, right. You you were at your angriest not when y'all lost, but when some stuff happened with kids were breaking the rules and doing some dumb ish, right? That you that they weren't supposed to do, and you had told them three or four times. That stuck out to me, bro. I recognize that. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember being back at Penn State and Joe pulling out a letter or an article uh, uh, that was um, a quote from John Cheney. Uh, who was coaching at Temple at that time, you know, the great yeah. basketball coach at John Temple, uh, at Temple, John yeah. Cheney, he talked about, we only have them back then, everybody was four years. We only have them for four years. 
yeah. Everything he said in that uh, article had nothing to do with basketball. He talked yeah. about the impression and the ability to turn them into men in four years. They don't have a lot of time. And so he's in a hurry and a race to get them to understand what kind of man they need to be when they leave this, this environment that is college football, college basketball. Because we know it, it's not the real world, bro. The real world is real. We think playing college football and all that is tough. The real world is a monster. And so you only got a, a small amount of time to get them ready to, for that real world. And in your case, to take advantage of opportunities beyond the JUCO. And I always respected you for that. So, yeah, we're on the same page, bro. I appreciate it, man. I People don't realize, man, like the shit blows my mind that people don't realize nowadays, I don't know how coaches are doing it. That's probably why I'm not doing it for other reasons, too. Probably Netflix blackballed my ass. Who knows? But <laughs> that's true. Uh, how the cat? How the fuck are these cats doing it in a year and lose? These cats are transferring every semester, so you're rebuilding a culture and a new roster every semester now. No way I could do that with NIL and, and the ability. Now it's the Wild West. You can do whatever the hell you want to do, transfer portal and all that. I don't know how you are able to to coach them tough. Again, that's what you did. That's what my coach coached me tough, and that's love. People don't understand discipline is love. Um, because, again, if you don't get your, these kids ready for this train that's coming at them called life, they're going to get hit by that train. And so I don't know how you use playing time to motivate kids to do the right thing like you used to. Very well, over the head when you could go make eight million dollars on, on an NIL deal. Correct. Right. Why do I need to sit behind this dude? who's doing things the right way, but I'm more talented. I know I'm more talented than him. Coach won't play me. You know, he's screwing me. No, nah, coach is trying to get you to do things the right way because that's what's going to serve you right. I don't know how you teach those lessons now. Somehow Saban's able to do it. Somehow the two or three guys are able to do it. I, I, you know, I like what Coach Franklin's doing at Penn State, but it is hard, bro. It is hard when they got they got the hammer now. The kids have the hammer. And when that, again, it's, I love the fact that the, that the players, the workers at these universities have power it's just that when you're giving the power to 17 and 18 year olds sometimes they're going to screw it up let me ask you this uh you got you 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 were at penn state you probably i know you know eddie george well um eddie's a philly guy good friend of mine um he might be on my show tomorrow with marcellus wiley uh let me ask you something Eddie's in the finance stuff. I know you talked about it early on, personal finance. I know he's a man, money manager now, and he does a lot of financial literacy with a lot of youngsters. Now he's a head coach in HBCU. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've gotten to go speak to his guys before and, and just, just hung out with them last week out here in L.A. for the NFL PA game. By the uh, way, still the, hardest, still the hardest hit I've ever had in my entire career. I, I, got, I, got, I came on a stunt coming from left end, came up the middle, man. I hit him on a, on a lead draw. And broad, my neck hurt for two weeks. But go ahead. <laughs> Look, that's a big motherfucker, man. Yes, yeah, he was real. He and was Brandon real. Jacobs, who's a Coffeeville Community College guy, he was at the NFLPA coaching on Jeff Fisher's team. Uh, we were ha hanging out, me, him, and Eddie. And those two running backs, I'm like, dog. Like, I grew up with Marcellus, Willie Mack, McGinnis. Like, these are big-time DNs, D-tackles, DN. But those are running backs. These running backs are those size guys. Yes, yes, and and ran that way. Some running backs got size. Yeah, they don't, yeah. You, know what I'm yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and don't run with that size. Like, I, I ain't going to name no names, but there was some like that that I played against. Those two dudes ran behind their pads, so to speak. So, yes. Hey, I, I, you I, I it's interesting. I just heard somebody come out and talk this whole Derrick Henry thing. What about I, it? What? What? 
I see stiff arms with Derrick Henry, but I don't even, I don't really see him dropping his shoulder and running your arm. <laughs> so I, there's there's a little bit of uh, people don't really want to talk about. It. We've seen him stiff arm a motherfucker, but we ain't right. really seen him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Drop that shoulder, and yeah. now I'm starting to hear people talk about he ain't really that tired of a tackle. Wow. So look, I've never played against him, and you know how it is when you watch it on TV with them camera angles. Not the same as you breaking down on all twenty two co- co- uh, college uh, coaching tape, right? I will say this. I'm not going to name his name, but I played against a, a Hall of Fame back that was big and strong. And again, he deserves to be a Hall of Fame. He's a hell of a player. But what the book on him was he didn't run through the tackles hard. Once he got to the second and third level, that with the second level, he was good. Third level, he was great. He, DBs, he going to punish them DBs, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but when coming through that A gap and B gap, he wasn't so tough as people thought he was. I need to really now I need to really pay attention, right? Yeah, uh, and see if that's the same situation. And he again, I love him. I love his game. I love the fact that he persevered when people wanted to move him to defense. He said, "No, I'm gonna play running back." It worked out. I love it. I'm gonna take a look at Derrick Henry, really a little bit tougher, and see if, if, if what you say it might be something there. But I know there are backs like that. We talked about earlier. Everybody don't run this size, and there's a Hall of Famer that ran just like that. You could arm tackle him in the A gap and B gap, but once he got in that linebacker, oh, he got a little tougher. And then when he got them DB, oh my God, he gonna punish them. No doubt. You signed with so let me give me a give me a, a Don Shula story. I, I think Don Shula's in my top five or six coaches, coaches, period. Of bat, like I got Phil Jackson and, and John Wooden and, and yeah. I even got Gino Ariyama, UConn women's coach in that mix. Belichick yeah. and Parcells, Shula's right there. What a, give me yeah, a so, take on him. So so you know, I was I was so fortunate, man, to play with or for some un, unbelievable men. At the head coaching position, you got to be a CEO, as you know. If you're a head coach, you are a CEO. And you know, the bigger the program, the bigger the stage, the bigger uh, the problems that come with it, and the better you better be at it. And so, the biggest thing about Coach Shula was, and, I, and I'm catching him towards the end of his career, um, and he was going for that drive for. Um, uh, he had just done it the year before when he became the all-time winning coach. In fact, before I got there, but the biggest thing that stood out for him uh, to me about him was his ability to empower his assistant coaches to do their job. My understanding was he was a taskmaster when he was younger. He had his hand in every little thing and was really tough um, on the players himself. He, he was more of an offensive guy, but he had his hand on defense and everything. And over Tougher on the I hear. Say it again? He was tougher on the coaches than the players, just like probably I was. That's exactly right. And it was all focused on the, on the coaches when I got there. But he was different from what I heard about. He allowed, he was empowering them now. And that's and I think you see that in Saban. You see that evolution in Saban where he's allowing the coaches to coach. And you see, and you saw his offense has, has evolved over the years with that. I think that's where I learned that to take that to my business. Your job as a, as a CEO of the company or the team is to go find the absolute best people to work for you and work with you that you can find, but then go ahead and empower them. Don't, don't kneecap them and don't, don't cut their legs out from underneath them in front of the players, right? Do that behind closed doors. Cause what I used to heard, he used to dog cuss them in front of the players, right? When I got there, that was not the case. He allowed his, his assistant coaches to do that job and that allowed him to be more successful. And then he can go and do the CEO stuff that you had to do. So I learned that from him. Attention to detail from Joe Paterno. He walked around making notes, Every single day. And by the time I got there, he, he was already 60 and change. It already solidifies himself as a whole big coach. But he walked around note-taking every single practice, every single day. I don't care if we in shorts. I don't care if it was spring ball. 
I don't care if it was the day before the game. It didn't matter. He's taking notes to hit with the coaches and with the team after about little tiny things, the details that we needed to take to get better. It was always the details. If you look at his recruiting classes, rarely were we one and two. We were up there a little bit, but wherever we were the best in the country, this, but we always played like it because the difference in talent was not as important as the difference in the details of execution. So it was all about execution details with him. Tony Dungy, I learned you didn't have to dehumanize a player to get him to play his best for you. You know, Coach Dungy was very unique. He was easy to play for and demanding at the same time. That's rare, bro. Usually the easy ones to play for, you know, the player's going to run that and then you ain't going to see a whole lot of long-term success, right? The, the guys that are hard to play for, you might have some success short-term, but generally you're going to lose the players at some point, right? He was both at the same time because you, because of his, the way he carried himself personally, it was like, I don't want to let him down because I'm like letting down my dad, right? But he did not try to dehumanize you and challenge your manhood. He just was specific about what he wanted from you and demanded that without yelling and cursing, and you gave it. That's that's unique, bro. Hey, the chat the chat said that uh, Legarrette Blunt was on uh, McAfee show yesterday, uh, Radio Row, mm-hmm. and apparently he said that too about Derrick Henry. So I didn't really see it. I didn't know that. I, people don't know that. People always talk and act like you. This is where I got the info. My, one right. of my best friends is actually the fucking running back coach for the Titans. Okay, so <laughs> so I need so look. This here's the deal because. You, and again, you know this. When you're watching games on television, there's a lot of stuff you because you're watching as a fan. There's a lot of stuff you miss. Now, you and I, when we watch the game, we're watching a different game than most, um, obviously, most fans, right? But I'm lo- I'm watching a lot of the line play, and I'm watching some of the subtleties of what's going on. But I have not noticed that. So, I, I wish that this was a, you know early in the season. I didn't, I didn't know that. Said that. I just they just said it in the chat. I didn't know he was on McAfee. Yeah. Uh, today, but. He's a he's a JUCO guy too. Played at East Mississippi JUCO um, back in the day. So yeah, that dude was tough dude. Tough dude, super talented. He had a great run here in Tampa and in, in uh, obviously uh, New England. Man, he, he hell of a back. That, that motherfucker can't stay out of some limelight though. He tried to put hands on people, boy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. uh, so what do you got going now? Are you coming out to the West Coast? Are you aren't you in the racing game now? So look, I just left, man. I, I, no, nah, I'm just a fan, bro. I was at the NASCAR event over in the Coliseum. Um, where you live at now? So I live in Tampa. I can't okay. leave, bro. It's 80 degrees outside, man. I can't leave this. Are you kidding me? I know, you know, I, I go back and forth to DC, but uh, you know, Tampa's beautiful, man. I'm looking at this beautiful, you know. Wait, are you involved with Bernard Pollard? I am not. No, 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 no. What's what's he doing? He's in the he's in the race. I've had him on too a few times. I talked to Bernard quite a bit. He he's into this racing uh business now, he's getting into it, and I know it was in LA, right? Yeah, so so no, this was just some fan stuff, man. My my girl, oh. we, we celebrating our birthday. Her girl, my, my girlfriend's birthday. So we flew from DC. We went to we we, we sports fans. So we, we ran from Tampa to DC to see the, the Wizards play um uh Damon Lillard, right? And uh Portland. And then we went on a red eye from DC to LA, right? Staying at the uh at the W in Beverly Hills, man. Um the first lady was there, it was all kinds of police presence. We knew something was going on. It was Grammy's weekend. So I mean, they had tremendous amount of police presence. We trying to, we finally found out when we were checking out that uh, uh, Miss Biden was there. But we go to Sunday. We go to the race, and it was our first race. It was a short track race. I'd never experienced. I've seen NASCAR. I'm a fan of racing. I've been to Indy. Indy's unbelievable. But um, the short track racing, man. You know, I mean, there's some bumping and grinding in that short track. So that was cool. Being in the Coliseum, I hadn't been there since um, since 
I played there against Todd Marinovich, man, got a sack against him. That was one of my uh, early highlights of my college career. Um, USC won the game, but, you know, it was a lot of fun to play in that on that stadium, in that stadium, uh, on that field. But, yeah, man, that short track race in NASCAR was unbelievable, man. Was rooting for Bubba Watson. He had a shot to the, almost the very end. And then he had to go back to the back. I mean, it was crazy, but it was a hell of an event, man. And, and I, that's not going to be my last NASCAR event I'm, as a fan. I just I love it. Yeah, Bernard Pollard's invested in it now. OK, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I did not know that, man. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. Mike, Mike's got a team with with uh, Bubba Watson. So that was cool to see that. But I did not know. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, man. And, yeah, I, yeah. and I love the fact that NASCAR is being more embracive and inclusive, man. They banning, you know, um, the uh, Confederate battle flag, man, that racist flag, you know, from all of their venues, which I really appreciate. Uh, because I know for some people it means one thing, but for people of color, generally it means, you know, just remembering slavery and the treasonous people from the South who wanted to separate themselves for slavery. That's a whole nother thing. But the point and is that's Jordan now, Bubba Watson, right? That's right. That's Jordan. It was Jordan. It was 23 team, man. You know, he, he driving a 23 car. So they just embracing. It was, oh, it was great to see that. It, that was not your average, I believe, NASCAR crowd that was out there, man. It was a lot of. It was just diversity out there, man. A lot of folks, man, just having a great time. So that will, I will definitely, we talked about, we're going to go out there every year for that event, man. Hey, that's, that's what Bernard told me, though. He's like, it's changing. The game's kind of been changing. Bubba Wallace, I mean, Bubba Wallace, not Bubba Watson. Bubba, yeah, Bubba, yeah, yeah. Bubba I think Wallace, I might say Watson. Jordan, yeah. Jordan getting involved, uh, different shit like that. So it's kind of, uh, I went to one, uh, I went to an event too, man, with a buddy of mine. And I was like, damn, there's some brothers and sisters out here. Right. So it's not yeah. bad. It's good hey, let, hey, let me ask you this, man, because this, you know, this is the topic of the day, man. Watching LeBron James, shout out to him, you know, becoming the all-time leading scorer, um, you know, passing the legendary Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, man. Who, who's Fuck, the man. Thank you, guys. There it is. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest basketball player of all time in the NBA, man? I'm a Kobe guy. Yeah, greatest number one greatest basketball player of all time is Kobe Bryant. For me, yep. Unbelievable. Yeah, come on, coach. Yeah. Unbelievable. I'm a, Kobe, uh, I'm a Kobe guy. You know why? I I tell Kobe, I say the Kobe story for a lot of reasons. This is why people don't understand. And, and when I say this to basketball heads, they, they sit there and they have to think a little bit. Tell me the most ball-dominant player Jordan played with in his career. With. 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 You can't. There is, yeah, there was no ball. Name, name, name LeBron's. I mean, Kyrie was young, so there was ball dominant. Uh, no, 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 no. Hey, dog, Kobe played with Shaq. Yeah, he yeah, shared yeah. the ball with Shaq and still <laughs> did what he did. People yeah, yeah, don't yeah. want to bring that down. They don't want to break that shit down. That's, that's a that's a very good point. Dog, um, think about it. Yeah. Shaq is not one of. He is right. the single most ball dominant player we've ever seen. And Kobe had 10 straight games with 50, mm. dropped 81, dropped yeah. 70 through three quarters on Dallas. Like, <laughs> oh, man. He dropped 60 at 40 years old on his last game. And, and guess what? They won that game, not like yeah. LeBron last night losing. Yes, I agree. Now, yeah, you're right. That's a great point. And, and also, whenever he wanted to, he could lock anybody down he wanted to. But I, I'll say this. And he was a clutch shooter. Yes, I will say this. When I looked at LeBron, I, I mean, excuse me, look at Kobe, he's the greatest carbon I've ever seen. He is Michael Jordan. If I get the feeling if Michael Jordan didn't exist, Kobe would have been something else. He still have been great, but I I can't put him above Mike because I, I just, again, get the feeling Mike never exists. Kobe wouldn't have existed as we knew it. Now, he's the greatest carbon we've ever seen, and that's a great carbon to be. 
But everything from his interviews, from the way he walked, the way he talked, his game, he did an unbelievable job of, of learning and copying Michael Jordan. But did he really elevate Michael Jordan? Did he go past Mike? I say no. Kobe was unbelievable. Arguably the greatest scorer of all time. Arguably the most clutch player of all time. Arguably the, the, the greatest dagger guy ever. But I, the consistency of, of first-team all-defense from MJ – you know, the ability to take a team less talented on your back and win. Mike and LeBron took less talented teams to the finals. Mike was taking less talented teams to the finals and winning. I don't know, man. Kobe won two after Shaq with Paul Gasol and Lamar Odom smoking rocks. Don't disrespect. Come on, dog. Think Hold about up. Did you see that roster Kobe won two rings with? Damn. Hold up. Hold Damn. up. Paul Gasol going to the Hall. Paul Gasol going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Gasol was legit, but look at the rock. He had he had Derek Fisher, who's a clutch player, but he wasn't no goddamn Kyrie. You nope. had you had you had Shannon Brown. <laughs> yeah, like dog, this roster was not no. It, it wasn't even as good as the Cleveland Cavaliers roster. Well, well, I think it was very very similar to Cavaliers roster at the end when he played against Golden State. The difference was Kobe won, LeBron didn't with that roster. Now the team they played, Golden State. Arguably the greatest, most talented team of all time. It took them teaming up to, to create the greatest team to take out LeBron. And again, we're splitting hairs between the greats of the great. I just feel like Kobe, for me, there's three, possibly four that you can put up there where you really can't argue against. I don't know that Kobe pierces that three or four. I got, I got, I got Mike. I've got LeBron. I've got, I've got Kareem and Magic. And, and, and any of those three or four, I don't have a problem with. You jump center in the, in the NFL NBA Finals as a point guard and win it on your back, scoring 50 and rebounding and all that. Magic deserves to be in that conversation. I don't think Kobe, as a scorer, offensive player, yes. I think Larry Bird's in the, in the top five for me, too. Bird, you said Bird? I got Bird in the top yeah. five. Bird was different. I don't have a problem with that. And when I hear Jordan talk about how different Bird was, that tells yeah. me something. Yeah. And you, you know got to be – you got to be old enough to understand what Bird really was, and not just okay, me, not just the season. Yeah. Does Kobe get knocked? Does Kobe get knocked because he emulated a dude and made it look even sexier? Like yeah, he, he he gets he knocked for that because let me ask you something. You you wanted to be like Lawrence Taylor or whoever you looked up to, just Absolutely. like I wanted to be Troy Aikman, yeah. uh, whoever wanted to be whatever. It wasn't his fault that he came after Jordan. I agree with that. But again, I, before Mike, no one was really like Mike. Before nah, Magic, no one was really I mean, like guys like that. that you had like, Nobody was Jordan. You know, right. And, I, and we haven't, be honest, we haven't really seen anything like LeBron either. We have not seen 6'9", 250, 60 plus running, jumping, leading the break, finishing the break, passing the vision like that. Magic was not a tremendous athlete. We know that. He was great, great, maybe the all-time great, but the athlete, he's he's magic and Mike together. It's just that for me, the difference between Mike and, and LeBron is that Mike at his greatest, I, I had never seen anybody better. But look, this is the thing that people don't talk about. Tell me the one thing that LeBron's the best at. So now, as of last night, passing, passing. now the single greatest leading scorer of all time, right? Yep. But he's never. But we still argue he's not a better scorer than Jordan, Kobe, Bernard King. I can go on and on about 
greater scores than LeBron. Yeah. I, I, but see, the problem with that is the stats say differently. He averaged. More- people keep saying that's not even what LeBron does. He just became the fucking leading scorer. Well, how does it not become what he does? I, I don't understand. And, and he averaged more points per game than Kobe. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, so, I, so it's. It, that to me, that's a testament to his greatness, though. I don't think there's ever been a more complete player. You gotta agree with me on this, coach. There's never been a more complete player who does so many things well to elite than LeBron James. Passing, dribbling, vision, leadership, running, dunking, finishing, clutch. He's one that the numbers say he's the second greatest clutch player of all times. Yeah, I have him. never seen one shot he's made. That's crazy to me. Oh, stop that. Come I've on. Never seen him make a clutch shot in the playoff game ever. Besides, stop it. Stop besides, it. Like, uh, besides some like some some Orlando Magic game that didn't matter off the backboard and shit. Look at the stats. In terms of shots made under one minute, he's number two all time, bro. That was a clutch shots, man. But he ain't the best. This is why I can't put him as the GOAT. This is why. He ain't the best. He don't have the best handle of all time. Not even close. Not the best of all time, no. master of all time. He ain't the best rebounder. He ain't the best scorer. He ain't the best scorer, even though he's now the scoring leader. So we can say he's the best scorer, I guess. But he's great great at all those, though, Coach. Yeah, but he ain't the best. But when you you average 27, 7, and 7, Mike never did that. How is he the best of all time if he's not the best at one thing? Because he combined it all better than anyone else ever did, right? Magic is probably the greatest passer of all time, but Magic was not a finisher on the break. He did not rebound to the clip that LeBron rebounds, right? Mike, the greatest offensive player, arguably he and Kobe of all time, but Mike didn't rebound the way LeBron did, and the assists weren't there for Kobe for sure or for Mike, right? We talked about Larry Bird, great rebounder, great shooter, great passer, right? But the assist numbers aren't there the way it was for LeBron. And the defense, he was not a great on-ball defender. He was a great help defender, smart as hell, but wasn't a great on-ball defender. LeBron in his heyday could could defend all five positions. Kobe, LeBron could not do that. Kobe, what? Kobe's the best defender we've ever Kobe couldn't guard fours and fives like LeBron. No, I want to make it Mike's still the best. Mike's still number one, but I, but the most complete player we've ever seen pick up a basketball, LeBron James. He might be the – see, I put him with Shaq. I think those are the two most dominant athletes we've ever seen. Now add Giannis in there. Wait a minute. What about the Big Dipper, bro? The athlete. Big Dipper. Athlete. About, huh? I'm Dominance. Straight up athlete. Raw and cut, uncut athlete. That ever played their posi- specific position, LeBron, Shaq, um, Giannis, these are freaks of nature playing Will, in basketball. But Will Chamberlain. My point, though, their skill set is not great, dog. Will just, Chamberlain. Yeah, of course. Dominant. Dominant athlete. But but Will wasn't a Shaquille O'Neal athlete dribbling no. under his legs, going the length of the court, dunking on you. Nope. These were freaks of nature, but Shaq had no left, couldn't shoot his free throw, had no jump shot. LeBron is similar. His jumper is getting better as he gets older, just like Jordan did. And he's not a shooter. He's not. Like Kobe and Jordan became scorers and shooters. LeBron ain't no shooter. Shaquille O'Neal was horrible around the basket. He just dumped on your ass. Agreed. But I think you're, you're missing the vision. And the passing, which is a skill that he's brought to the game that nobody else but Magic has has brought. 
The guy is collaborative. Remember all the all the heat he used to catch when he would make the right basketball play early in his career, late in games, and people were pissed that he didn't take the shot because we, we were coming off the era of Michael Jordan when Mike very rarely passed it, but then won championships bypassing it. Well, LeBron came in. Mike had to learn how to use his teammates. LeBron came in knowing how to do it. He just didn't have great teammates at that time. And so people just at him. I'm just old school. Like, I'm surprised you have this, this, I, this quite, this take. Cause you're old school like yeah. I am. Yeah. I can't do the 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 pass the ball late in the game and not have the balls to take that shit like Kobe would and Jordan. Jordan and Kobe weren't letting Westbrook take the final shot, dog. My, look, oh, Pax, what about Paxson taking the last shot to win a championship? What about Kerr? He had you know why, though? because he's scared. He don't want to take that shot. He don't want to be the guy that missed that. No, moment. no, 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 Mike. I'm talking about Mike Jordan. Well, I made the right pass. No, no, I'm talking about Mike. Michael Jordan gave it up to Paxson for a championship, and he gave it oh, up yeah. to Steve Kerr. Yeah, and, yeah. And 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 Phil Jackson had to teach him how to do that. Those two white boys could shoot. Of Kyrie Irving made three to win a game. Come on, man. <laughs> hey, Kyrie wasn't the shooter that he's known to be now. Then, although he saved him, didn't know Kyrie was that guy yet. Kyrie saved him with a huge three, though, in the, in the finals. No, that's what I'm saying. But he wasn't known like uh, – he wasn't considered a great shooter like he is now. No, like, no, people no, no, now no. are fearing Kyrie shooting. And, Back and then, though, cats were worried about him coming off the drive in that bitch. So I they laid off. If you notice that shot he made, they fell off him and had it contested late. Correct. He's so Correct. fast with his dribble, he goes to blow by your ass. So they had to play him in between in that game. And make no mistake. With no Draymond Green. Yeah, right, 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 right. If, if make no mistake, had Kyrie go to LA, the, the league would have been fearing that combo again. You agree? If Ky, if Kyrie had gone to LA in this trade, I think the league would have been fearing that combo of Kyrie, AD, and LeBron again. I think that'd have been a real problem for the league. I think they would have had to give up AD or Westbrook, and that's what they weren't going to do. Well, I, they, they, I think they could have got it done with Westbrook and picks. You don't do that deal for AD. I think that would have been a problem, but. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's uh, unfortunate, and then and then and then also, I don't know if that works with 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 uh, Russ going back to play with KD. I I, I don't think that would have worked out, and I think you know, so that was the end of that. I think. Let me ask you this: this is a this is a totally different subject because I'm sitting there watching this NASCAR, and I've had this conversation with multiple people, NASCAR drivers, athletes or no? Yes, this is why. Um, now, the, I define an athlete by a cat that can that looks decent shooting a jumper. That has a natural golf swing, that right. can bowl a strike, that can throw a football, that can get on the bench and hit two twenty five. Like I look at a guy and define him as that. Like I could do all those things. I know I you. All that. Pat McAfee. He, he, he. You could tell Pat McAfee when he was a he was a kicker in the NFL, but you could tell he could do all those things I just mentioned. Agreed. And People don't know. Some guys get out and be a stiff, horrible-looking golf club. Like right. these are like they're good as an old lineman, but then are nothing else, right? Or or whatever you want to. Anyone like that? Yep. I define athletes that way that can play anything, even like shoot a shoot some pool or you know anything, any sport they're good at. I think that's the great athlete. So this is why I say this. I've got to know some NASCAR drivers. From so, what they have told me and what I've heard, yeah, is they are literally they do not recover in between races because of how their how bad their body gets beat up from race to race. They right. never recover fully. Right. Uh kind of like football. We don't get you know, we don't get the soreness out for three, four days. Right. They're they don't ever get it out between races. Right. 
Like, so, they get banged up. It is a collision sport. So football and NASCAR were the only two, by definition, collision sports in the world. Hockey, basketball, and baseball considered contact. Contact, sport. right, right. So football no longer is collision, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> What's I'm your with, take on it? I'm with you on that. So my, my take is, if, if you're going to call race car drivers athletes, Tell me the athletic movement they're performing while doing their sport. Gas clutch clutch brake shift. That's not an athletic movement. I mean, look, let's be honest. You've got 16-year-old kids on the street right now doing it. I mean, highly skilled, great hand-eye coordination, balls, fearlessness, toughness, have to be in some sort of physical shape to, to go through the entire NASCAR season, right, and circuit. All of that. What's the athletic movement of turning left? Again, if so if they're athletes, fighter pilots are the greatest athletes who ever lived because they're going whatever they're going, one little mistake, one little turn of that yoke, and you're dead. And you know, it's a good right? conversation, dog. I so so listen, I, I respect what they do even more so by watching it and live and in indie indie car, even more so, man, because you know they got make one more move on a pebble on that thing, they're going flying, right? Athletes, though, come on, bro. We know what athletes are. You know what okay, athletes are. Then, is a baseball pitcher an athlete? Absolutely. That's an athletic movement. No question. Hockey, Ooh, baseball. We've got some fat, sloppy motherfuckers out there that don't can't even get off the mound. No doubt. No doubt. Jerome Bettis did not have the greatest body in the world. <laughs> That's a, but he can tote that rock, right? Leon Lett probably might have been the greatest athlete I've ever seen in my life. Warren, you want you need to see Warren Sapp then. Warren Sapp, Leon Lett. When 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 my boy was on that cowboy team and told me that Leon Lett used to beat Dion in the first ten yards out of a gate on a forty, I was like, "What?" They're wow. like, "Dog, I'm telling you, Leon Lett's a fucking freak." Wow, you played against him, I'm sure, right? Absolutely, he was towards the end of his career, but yeah, I definitely. mean, damn, I mean, what he did on those teams, I mean, I I can see it. I, we've seen some freaks of nature, obviously, but. And without, oh, without having great pitchers, I think you could, to me, throwing the ball hard or even controlling it, it's one movement similar to, to me, you got to move clutch, gas, brake, shift. That's four things. Plus stay focused mentally and take the rigor of getting banged all day on 500 miles. I don't know, dog. That's really close, a pitcher and a NASCAR guy. Who's doing the work in that NASCAR race, the driver or the freaking car? Well, both if you bop that engine stop that listen the pitcher it's his power it's his technique it's his movement that's making that ball go from zero to a hundred in nascar it's the combustion engine underneath that hood that's making it go from zero to a hundred yes it is golfer golfer same thing that's an athletic movement bro that that ball sitting here at zero that's an athletic movement and you're walking Throughout, there's a reason why they don't ride in a cart. That is an athletic movement. Are there some fat guys playing it? Absolutely. John Cruck played baseball. That was an athletic movement swinging that bat. But John Cruck, we know, was not the most, you know, good-looking athlete we've ever seen. But at least it's all athletic movements. When it comes to race car driving and driving motorcycles and all of that, great sports, I respect them, but those are not athletes. Here's another uh, Here's another one. If a female can 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 compete at the highest level against men, they're not athletes, okay? If I went on a WNBA court, I'm getting cooked, right? But if a WNBA player plays against an NBA player, she's going to get cooked. 
because it's an athletic difference. So at the highest level, if women and men can compete on the same level, they're not athletes. If you are 40 or more years old and you can consistently compete, not just one year or two years, if you can consistently compete at 45 or higher at the highest level, they're not athletes. So you let me ask you this. You think right now, if me and you get together in a couple, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to do this. We're gonna film this shit and make a show of it. <laughs> you think me and you could get in a NASCAR and 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 just let's say we do a hundred mile race, right? You think we could do that shit and, and compete against them? No, 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 no. Just oh. just a hundred mile race. Hundred mile race. So and let's say it's at Indy. That's two miles, right? So so we doing two lap, uh, five, fifty laps. Could but, I do it? Yeah, I could I could get around it. I ain't I ain't going 120 miles an hour. But no, I can get around it. 220. <laughs> 220, right? I, okay. Yeah, I, I don't well, know well, about So you don't think you got to be an athlete to do that shit? No, I think you have to be in great shape and you have to be greatly skilled and and be great at your craft. A balance. Your core is always getting engaged because you got to keep yourself upright. I get all of that, but that they, they are not athletes. Athleticism, quickness, balance. Ambidextrous, being able to move laterally with exposure, explosion off the off the ground. They don't have to do any of that. They just have to click these. Those are their shifters. They got to push their foot down and they got to turn and keep that thing straight. As a as a fighter jet pilot has to do with great great technique, but that's not athleticism. Uh, I don't know, dog, because there's a lot of uh, like that's a good point too. Jockeys on horse, not athletes. Oh no, sir. No, sir. A question hey, is a question that's, a good, is that's a good ass conversation. I'm gonna have to have this conversation with some folks, dog. It's an interesting yes. one. I haven't really thought of it too deep, but that's an interesting one. Um yes. not athlete. Yeah, we we, we gotta do those, a whole nother I don't one. think you can be in a NASCAR or on a horse or in a in a flight in a, in a in a in an airplane and not have some semblance of the it factor, though. You have to be in shape. And you got to know what the hell you're doing. And like I said, you got to be mentally tough. You got to have the ability to concentrate over a long period of time. That's really hard to do. Are so cheerleaders we, athletes? Yes, absolutely. They're athletes. Hell yeah. They flipping. They're jumping. They're, they're doing movements on their own power. The car is doing the work in a NASCAR race, not the driver. The driver is just steering the car. The horse is doing the yeoman's work and the athletic movement. In horse racing, the jockey is the CEO and steering it and knowing when to use the whip and not use the whip. But when he pulls out that whip, it's not his athleticism that's going to take him from the third place to fourth place um, to first place. It's that damn horse. Interesting, dog. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, who? Uh, we gotta we gotta test this NASCAR shit out. Yes, we do. And I mean, well, I want you to respond to the fact that if you, if a woman and a man could compete at the highest level, and a woman can beat a man 50-50, it can't be a sport. It respond to that. So you think that you go out on a WNBA court, you're getting cooked? Absolutely, I'm getting cooked. Hell yeah. Hell no, I I don't agree with that. Oh, you tripping? I'm beating the shit out of fucking. <laughs> Hey, make sure on me, dog. I'm taking no fuck away. I'm smacking her shit. Hey, let's make sure we got our Twitter handles right because I want the DMs to go to Ag Coach BJB Show, not to me. Those women are cooking me. If I get on the court with uh, give me one, um, um, Brittany Griner, she cooking me in the post. If I try to go out and and guard Diana Taurasi, she crossing me over. I'm going down, bro. mm -mm. Now, 
But that's the point, though. At the highest level, those ladies are going to get cooked in the NBA game. There's no question about it. And there's a reason why the game that's is not That's why I do not agree women should ever, ever, ever play football. I agree. I mean, That's my know. take. And I don't believe – I think you should play football amongst each other. I think California just started a flag football league as a sport for women. I agree that totally. I think that's great. Love that. What about kickers, Coach? What about kickers, female kickers in the men's game? I, I don't think so. This is the reason. You mentally – Tyoka Jackson coming off the edge. You're not coming after that kick like you would with Graziani kicking that motherfucker. I mean, you have a thought in your mind. Oh, man, I can't I can't hit this. I can't go full go. Like, this is my point to this. I appreciate you coming on, man, like this. Uh, I, this is my point. In the WNBA, there's an equivalent, which is called the NBA. I think women can coach in the NBA because of their equivalent basketball, exactly the same game. Five on five, there's a two, three, a three, two, there's man, there's motion offense. There's, there's, there's the same game, but even though it's not the same athlete, biomechanically, biologically, athletically, we got two different things. Same with boxing and kickboxing. I don't want to see men and women fighting each other, but I do think women can fight each other and perform in the same way. And I, therefore, I think a woman kickboxer can coach a man kickboxer. Absolutely. Football, totally different. I don't believe a woman should be able to coach a man in football. She oh, has no history or experience. How are you going to go over there and say, all right, Ogden, fucking kick step vertical right here. I don't get your hands on this three technique and deuce his ass. Like, dog, no woman can do that. And I've, I'm the least sexist cat you know. I've had women <laughs> on the show, and I've actually talked about this with women that know sports and know football. Yeah. They agree. There's so like, look, can't so go look. out there and yell at Tyoka Jackson about fitting a gap. Right. So look. And, and, and understanding it, if you've never done it, I just don't believe it. I think it's more of a of a, of a marketing campaign, and I don't think the woman's going to get the same buy-in by the player. He ain't, She ain't going to be able to motherfuck him and get his ass to respond. I don't know if the relationship can ever be built in that manner. I just think it's a too far of a disconnect. But WNBA coaches, I think you can coach in the NBA. I think there's a experience-based level that you have hands-on experience with. Football that just don't exist, dog. I understand the point you're making. There's some validity to some of what you said. The, the, the problem I got with it is the greatest coach I ever played for at my position never played it. Rod Marinelli, he never played defensive line football. Charlie Weiss never played. Mike Leach. Did McVay play? Did yeah, McVay he play? played, but it wasn't. He played a little bit. He played for. Uh, he played a little bit. Uh, Belichick played what, D3 corner? And so, okay, I didn't know that. No, so here's where I'm going, though. Rod Marinelli did not play defensive line at any level that I'm aware of. And he is by far the best I ever had playing uh, coach teaching D-line. And I look, I played for Mean Joe Green in Miami. Love Mean Joe Green. All right. But and I also have figured out that the best players don't don't usually sometimes the best players don't make the best coaches. It's usually the worst players or non-players that make the best coaches because they're so intent on details and doing things the right way. So if the woman learns the game from the right people, she might not have, have applied knowledge, neither did Rod, Rod Marinelli, but if she learns the game from the right people and they teach her properly, absolutely she can coach it up. I do. It makes sense what you're saying. Hey, a, a, a basketball player can coach another basketball player, no, regardless of gender, because she's done it. I understand. She's actually ran through that pick. She's pivoted in the post. I get that too. 
But again, explain Rod. He never came out of his stance. He never took a, a three-inch step against a tight end in a six technique and locked him out and got into that C gap. But yet he taught me how to do it better than anybody I ever played for. So I think I, if I think, it's a, thing, I think it's a biomechanical thing, though, and it's a mentality thing. I, I just think that even though the man didn't play, Mike Leach didn't play, I think you still have a fact a factor weighs in on this thing that, okay, Rod Marinelli, Barracoach Vane, I've been around him myself as a great clinic, clinic coach. And okay. he's got the Barracoach Vane's cracking. He's got yes, the – you know what I'm saying? Like he yes. – He's that man's man, though, and you can fake it till you make it as a coach, dog. I know a lot of horrible-ass coaches who buy, who get the players to buy in and can fake the shit out of success. Yes, I agree with you, and that, but that's a culture. You're speaking to the culture. That's speaking of the culture of men, coaching men, women. That culture can change. You can tweak that culture. I understand what you're saying. Yes, there is a, there is a thing there between two men and how they talk to each other and come at each other and, like you said, MF each other and all of that. But I think that there's an adjustment that can be made that would make that. I've never been coached by a female, so it would be a little different for me. But I think I could if she as long as she's giving me the goods, bro, as long as she know what the hell she's talking about and yeah. I can see it confirmed on film. I wouldn't shut it down. Like, I wouldn't just say, now, nah, fuck you. I'm not listening. But yeah. I there's do challenges. I think that. Yeah. Man, Tyoka, man, it's been great, man. I can't, I can't, I, we got to do it again, dog. I didn't know you was going to be this. I knew you was a real one, but I didn't know <laughs> you were going to pop it up like this, man. We got to get together soon. And uh, and we'll definitely have to do this again, man. I, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, thank you. Who you got? This, who you got Sunday, real quick? Look, I got Philly, man. I got Philly. We've seen this before. Um, we've seen super talented offenses go against defenses that are built to beat them. I think Philly can rush. I think Philly is a more physical team. I think they can run the football a little bit better. Obviously, uh, Mahomes is amazing and generationally, and has he's on a path for goatness. Um, but I don't really trust Kansas City's defense. I trust Chris, uh, what's his name? Chris Jones. I trust him, but I don't know if I trust uh KC to answer the bell series in and series out against a physical running team who can also throw the football, who also have athletes and have their own X factor at the quarterback position at Jalen Hurst. I got Philly, man. I think it's gonna be a hell of a game, but again, I'm always gonna take the defensive team who can rush for and run the football. Give me Philly in a tight, tight Super Bowl game. I appreciate you, dog. Hey, man, much love to you. We'll have to hook up. I'll hit you up and get your cell number, man. We'll chop it up. Absolutely, man. It was a pleasure, man. You got the Thank best you, thing going, man. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. Without further ado, Chase, uh, we're, brought, we're bumping Chase right in here. Uh, Chase, what up, man? I appreciate you. Uh, I know you're about to get Trey Lance on the show. That's going to be huge for you. Um, I hope you get that done. You're sitting there in Radio Row, man. Um, Real quick, man, I don't want to take up your time. What, what's Radio Road like right now? I'm supposed to be there. I may come down there Thursday, Friday and see you. Uh, hang out with Pat Perez. He's hitting me up as we speak. Um, I might go down there and stay with him. He's in Scottsdale, and I might come see you guys. Um, what's it like, man? What's the vibe like? JB, I appreciate you having me on, man. And we've been here all week with Chat Sports, doing a bunch of content out here, and really on Radio Row. It's a who's who, all types of celebrities, all types of media personalities. I saw your boy Adam Pac-Man Jones just moments ago. Pat McAfee is here. Kay Adams. Honestly, anybody who you can think of is here at Super Bowl Radio Row. So it's a great networking opportunity. And obviously, it's just a content hub with people popping on different shows all throughout the week. And speaking of this game on Sunday, I think we have a really good one to talk about between the Eagles and the Chiefs. No doubt. Uh, appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, of course. Let me ask you this. Um, 
I had Whitlock on today. I had Steve King. I just had Tayoka Jackson. I've had guys on all week. Radio Row week, I said I had to do a big, get this thing going. Uh, a lot of people picking the Eagles. Uh, you've covered them all year. You covered the Niners. IU um, 49ers came out and said, I would bet my whole check of my NFL salary that the Chiefs win this game because he played against both play- both teams. And I guess what he saw in Andy Reid's offense and what the Chiefs did to the Niners compared to what the Eagles did with no quarterback, apparently, is what he's probably thinking. Do you agree with him? Uh, are you going to side with him, or are you thinking that the Eagles are just too much? Look, I think this is a really even matchup, and when you look at both the Chiefs and the Eagles, it's pretty funny how evenly matched they are, including the regular season in the playoffs. Both teams are 16-3. and three. Both teams this year, regular season in the playoffs, have scored the same amount of points. Both squads have six All-Pros and a Kelsey brother, and both were the number one seed in the NFC as well as the AFC. And while I think that the Chiefs might have the better quarterback, which obviously they do because Mahomes is better than Jalen Hurts, I think that the Eagles have the better overall roster. So I'm fascinated to see how this game plays out because I think the Eagles are a little bit deeper and they have more premier players top to bottom on that roster, but is the better overall quarterback going to win? What I think this game is going to come down to is the trenches. The Eagles offensive line is the best in football. In the divisional round against the Giants, they ran for nearly 270 rushing yards against the 49ers, a very good defense. They ran for nearly a buck 50. And if they can control the offensive line of scrimmage and keep that Chiefs offense on the sideline so that Patrick Mahomes isn't able to put up 40 points, then I think that Philadelphia has an opportunity to win this game. Conversely, on the other side of the line of scrimmage for Philadelphia, their defensive line has 78-79 sacks heading into the Super Bowl. It's the most going into the big game since the 1985 Bears. And what is the formula to take down a potent offense led by Mahomes? It's to generate a consistent pass rush. And that's what Philadelphia has been able to do all throughout this year. And you look at the last two Super Bowls, Joe Burrow was sacked the most amount of times in Super Bowl history last year against the Rams. And when the Bengals were trying to come back on that final drive, it was the Rams defensive line that took over and Joe Burrow have any time to throw. The year before that, when Patrick Mahomes was in the Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he was pressured the most amount of times in Super Bowl history. So Philadelphia does have the formula to stop this Chiefs offense, but Jalen Hurts is going to have to play better than he did the last couple of weeks. And if the Eagles can't generate that pass rush, then yes, uh, to Brandon Ayuk's comment, then if Patrick Mahomes has all day to survey the field and make plays improvisationally and out of structure, then I think that he can pick apart this Eagles secondary, which against elite quarterbacks has been susceptible to the big play. You taking the Eagles? I am taking the Eagles slightly. I like the birds to win in a high scoring game. I think it could be 36, 33, 36, 30. But again, this comes down to the Eagles generating that pass rush. If their offensive line is as good as it's been in the previous two playoff games, then they can win this game. And Jalen Hurts is going to have to do a little bit more through the air. Man, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised you think it's going to be that close. You get a lot of respect to Mahomes. That's, that's credit to you. You're giving, you're giving him and Andy Reid, uh, I would suspect, you know, in football like you do, you're probably giving Andy Reid a lot of credit in this thing for what he did to the Niners' number one D. Um, 
can he do that again? Because he will take advantage of your strengths like no other coach, and he will use it against you where a lot of DCs don't realize that. I'm curious to see what Andy Reid's answer is without any outside threats because they really are injured and banged up outside. I would take the over on Kelsey getting fucking whatever it is uh, as far as yards and catches because I think he's going to have to be a number one target and often and early early and often hit him. And they're going to probably have to remove Pacheco and put him in the slot at times with McKinnon because of their banged up wideout crew. Does that present an issue? Yeah, I think a little bit, and I think it's so critical for Philadelphia to really hover Travis Kelsey all throughout the day. You make a good point in that this Chiefs receiving core isn't what it was last year without Tyreek Hill, but Nicole Hardman is not going to play. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is really a vertical-wide receiver, but it's not like he has different dimensions to his route tree. Juju Smith-Schuster is a little bit banged up. I think they're going to try to use Jarek McKinnon in kind of that specialty hybrid weapon role and if you're banking on an offensive coach to maximize the players on that offensive side of the football it is Andy Reid he's going to try to get in the kitchen it wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs try to run out a trick play here and there on a third down fourth down to try to change the tide and the momentum of this football game but this is why I like Philadelphia because even though they don't have the superior quarterback in this matchup they are built to stop a team like the Chiefs I think that outside a quarterback, you really want to build your team inside out. Eagles offensive line is superb. Their defensive line is really good. I will say this about the Chiefs offensive line. I threw out that statistic earlier about Patrick Mahomes getting pressured the most times in Super Bowl history a couple of years ago against the Buccaneers. This is a better offensive line now, but this Eagles defensive line is very, very good. They're multiple and they're honoretic has 19 and a half sacks this year combined in the regular season in the playoffs. And at the defensive tackle spots, Javon Hargrave at defensive tackle has 11 sacks. Brandon Graham has 11 sacks. Josh Sweat has 11 sacks. They're the first team going all the way back until the early 80s in which sacks started getting recorded where they had four players with double-digit sacks. That is unreal production. And I know a lot of those sacks have come in bunches, but here in the playoffs, they've certainly come to play. And how did they win against the San Francisco 49ers? You never want to see an injury happen, but they knocked out two quarterbacks. And that is all thanks to a very, very dominant pass rush that's very physical, and they'll snatch, they'll sn uh, snatch your souls. I agree. I think this is the one quarterback, uh, this one team. Uh, I'll let you get out of here, man. I appreciate you coming on. This is the one time that I think the NFL Super Bowl champ can win the game without uh, throwing for big yardage, without throwing a bunch of touchdowns. They can control the clock with the run game and his feet. He's going to have to be an additional run package now. Jalen Hurts yep. is going to have to win with his feet in the run game, but he doesn't have to. He can probably win, which I wasn't sure of before, going for 150 yards and and I think Jalen Hurts is going to hit him big and I think these rookie corners for the Chiefs are going to struggle when the brights are light or are the, when the lights are brightest uh unlike they did in uh against Cincy I think they're going to struggle this week against AJ and Devontae Smith so I think it's yeah. going to be interesting man I hope you get Trey on tell Pat McAfee I said what up and uh I appreciate you coming on, man. Let's get together next week. And, and if I come down there this week, I'm going to text you. Yeah, yeah. Please set me up, and and I can spend you know a minute or two working off your previous point. I talked to Legarius Sneed the other night at Super Bowl Media Day, and he's coming off a concussion. And he's obviously a veteran cornerback, but 
you make a good point in saying that this Chiefs defensive backfield is littered with young, inexperienced players and a lot of rookies. And I asked Legeria Sneed, hey, tall test going up against A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. He said, yeah, I'm not looking forward to just going up against them. I'm looking forward to going up against their other weapons. Yeah, that's you. How about everybody else, though? And Jalen Hurts, what's very underrated about him, and that's been the case throughout his NFL career in the first three years, even though year one his completion percentage was sub-53, got a little bit better last year. Now he was just shy of 68%. His deep ball accuracy nationally isn't recognized and it's not noticed as being very, very good. Now, if that shoulder injury is still ailing him, we saw him in the NFC Championship game miss A.J. Brown on that deep ball, which could have really blown out the Niners earlier, made it a two-score game. Instead, it was a little bit closer because of that miss. But if the shoulder is feeling better, Jalen Hurts' deep ball accuracy, they can take advantage and expose the Chiefs on that back end because let's be real. Uh, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are one of the best one-two punches at that wide receiver spot. Dallas Goddard is one of the best all-around tight ends. And even if Hurts can't hit some of those deep balls, quick scream out to A.J., who's physical to bring down in the open field. Devontae Smith is really slippery. Dallas Goddard is really difficult to break down and bring down on the open field because of his physicality in running with the football. So you have that to worry about. And then also you have this Eagles offensive line where on some of those pull blocks with that read option, so many teams have struggled to have sustained success in running that read option. Philadelphia has absolutely perfected it, and it's because Hertz has taken that leap as a passer where the defense has to account for him throwing it, him running it, as well as the Eagles running the football with their stable of running backs. But then you have to worry about Lane Johnson pulling out in open space. Jason Kelsey, who seemingly, even though he's been in the league for more than a decade, is still running a 4-5, 4-6-40. This Eagles offense is so multiple, and I think it's just a terrific, terrific matchup on both sides, and these two teams are evenly matched. I can't wait for Sunday. Hey, I'm just going to ask you your opinion on this. If, if Mahomes struggles and he ends the game with less power rating than Rex Grossman, who he does right now, um, and he don't throw no touchdowns. This guy, remember, he's been in two Super Bowls. He's thrown two touchdowns and four picks in two Super Bowls. He's not absolutely been stellar. I, right. I was talking to Dan Orlowski yesterday live, and I'm like, dude, you put Mahomes above Montana already in the top five? Um, Can't. I know, and I'm like, dude, so if he struggles against the Eagles, which stats say he could, data says he could, history says he could struggle, what is your narrative going to be? You were in a weak AFC West your entire career and played at home every game and never had to leave the friendly confines of Arrowhead, and are you going to be the new Tom Brady dominating the, the, the AFC West and losing some Super Bowls you probably shouldn't have lost. What is going to be the narrative if he struggles against another good opponent in a Super Bowl? Yeah, well, it's only it's not just the narrative for Patrick Mahomes. It's also the narrative for Andy Reid. I mean, he is unquestionably one of the best offensive minds in the history of football. But as a kid growing up in Philadelphia, he was there for 14 years. He made it to five NFC championship games and only one Super Bowl appearance, never got that ring. And then a couple of years ago against the San Francisco 49ers, 49ers should have won that football game. They're up 21 to 10 going into that fourth quarter. They should have won that, or they should have lost that championship, excuse me. 
But now, if they lose yet again, you're talking about Andy Reid losing another big game, and you're talking about Patrick Mahomes also going down in yet another big game. Now, freakishly, from an arm talent quarterback standpoint, he's incredibly unique and one of the most gifted athletes at the quarterback position that we've ever seen. He's completed throws that really are uncanny and absolutely ridiculous and insane when you think about it. But quarterbacks are judged by winning Super Bowl championships. And if he loses in yet another big game, the narrative goes is going to flip both on him and Andy Reid. And I don't think that you can dispute that. But Patrick Mahomes has worked himself into a point where because he can drop down on all arm angles and make these great out-of-structure throws that people have never seen before, that's kind of helped him absorb the blow of losing some of these big games. But if he goes down and plays poorly, I think that narrative is going to change just a bit, and it should, and he should be called out for that. If they go down in a shootout and he does play well, obviously I think it just comes down to the better team winning. No doubt. Man, I appreciate you guys. Make sure you follow Chase. Uh, hopefully uh, get to see you at the end of the week, man, and uh, Radio Row, and uh, hopefully you get to get some get, big guests on, man, and uh, blow up the spot. Uh, appreciate it. Always real, man, and uh, enjoy the insight. Yeah, I appreciate you, and I appreciate the kind compliments from the mommy and Kid Puggy, as well as Coach Davis. Y'all are the best. Hey, the mommy, you can't go wrong with that, man. <laughs> man no, you, sir. Bro. Zach Wilson would be proud of that username. <laughs> the Mormon Milf Hunter. <laughs> exactly. I'll catch you, man. Hit me up if you're coming down. Later. All right. Uh, Wido's in the building. He's been here in the in behind the scenes. Uh, he's. He, you should have saw his face. I wish I could have brought him on. He he was going ballistic. This has been the longest Coach JB show of all time. We've had six guests on. Um, all right. Look, I'm going to be quiet, dog. I want to I hear what you got to say about Tyoke. Tyoka could be a hell of a co-host, by the oh, way. Oh, hell yeah. You guys are flowing, Coach. Uh, all right, give me – Doug. Just hearing the LeBron stuff, Coach. Let, 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 let's be real, though. Why is this my yeah! Do it. My opinion's like that because he's losing the game. But that, that's in the third quarter. They're still losing at that point. I just think he uh, – Yeah, but it's like, come on, dog. Is that what really going to win a championship? You sitting down in the third quarter? <sighs> oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not making an excuse for why he's not playing. But they had a little mic'd up moment where LeBron was talking to him. Have you, heard, have you know, seen breaking news? Jalen Rose has came out and said, Anthony Davis' decision to remain seated and not celebrate LeBron's jacket is a bad look and a selfish one. And AD is jealous. But see, this is the problem with the today's age, Coach. There's so many cameras. You see everything, and they make it look like, you know, imagine if the Jordan days, we had all those cameras. Imagine if AI days, all you know, all the Larry Bird, Bill Russell, but I don't know. So unless LeBron says something or AD comes out and says something, I wouldn't take too much consideration. And I think he got up. I didn't see the whole video. I think he got up, obviously, but, uh, but it is a bad look on the optic. But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Uh, I don't really give a fuck either. I don't really care. I don't like any of them. They're all fucking soft pussies. That's just me. Um, but, you know, Brian Martinez loves LeBron. I think he's the biggest flopper fucking choke artist there is. But it is what it is. He's the all-time leading scorer, Wido. So that is all you can say. Number one, coach, and he's not even a score first kind of but guy. He's a scorer of all time, but you know what? He's the number one scorer. It's just funny and ironic.
And I'm tired of hearing the tweets that say LeBron's the best score of all, number one score of all time, but that's not even his game. Well, the number one score of all time says that it is his game. So I'm, I'm confused as to the contradictory fucking comments I see on Twitter. He's the all-time leading scorer. That shit says it's different. <laughs> yeah, he's never been like a score-first kind of guy. A lot of his points are quiet buckets. He'll get like 20 points off quiet buckets. All Kobe's buckets were usually loud. Jordan had loud points. He's a score-first kind of guy. But, jo- right, but LeBron, right? is- LeBron is a quiet scorer. Right, but he's shown he can be. 25 straight of Cleveland at Detroit. He's shown he can do that. He can definitely be the scorer. That's just not his game, Coach. And that's why I wish I could have jumped in with Ty to help and iterate the, fo- the point of he's the best basketball player, in my opinion. All-around basketball player. Greatest is Jordan, Kobe to me, and, and LeBron's right there trying to pass Kobe. But best means to me who you want to emulate. If I want to tell a kid tallest biggest iqs on point passer right play can score can shoot can defend that's who you'd want to be like you cannot go be like jordan or kobe you just can't that's a dog an animal eternal i would love to have seen t mac play longer because i'd be i'd be great this right now because t mac by far to me had better skill set than lebron ever even come close to he was the closest thing to kobe in this generation to me scary he and it scary. reminds me of a young Penny Hardaway, which a lot of cats in the chat don't even never saw a player or anything. People don't realize that the best argument, um, I, I, you got to be able to be more of a pure shooter to me. You got to be less like, like LeBron doesn't come off to having that. He's more of a stiff freak of nature athletically of train running down the pipe. He's, he's only been the stiff he's, guy the last maybe. He never was the AI uh penny t mac graceful effortless lebron struggles dog to even though he's quiet like you said he struggles to score the basket with jump shot three-pointer free throws he struggles imagine if he was a better more pure shooter i would have no quarrel with saying he's the best ever he struggles dog and he makes it that's you could argue that it's a gift and a curse, though. You know, he's still done. He still got it done with struggling as a stiff score, in my opinion. I guess that's the way I'm going to say it. It's a, he's a stiff struggle shooter. He not, it doesn't come to him naturally. He's more of a bully ball, get to the rack, score on you at will. Nobody can stop him if he wants to go drive the lane. But right. he's not a pure stroker, score shooter. He struggles, dog. Even though he hits three threes, four threes last night or whatever, he's not a three point guy. He's under thirty fucking nine percent in his career. He's not. Let's just be honest, motherfuckers act like he's Steph Curry all of a sudden because he hit two threes last night in a row. He's not right. a shooter, but he's definitely a shot maker. He's a shot maker, but that but you can be a shot maker from three feet. Mm, no, no, he's proven he's got his back, especially later on in his career, his back down game. Miami Heat, he was a fucking freight train. Uh, I watched him in person because I'm a Jordan guy. I'm a Jordan guy. I had to see it in person. And he showed great wing players, dog. If I'm running a fucking three man weave with Wade and Bosch and Ray Allen, Mike Miller, I'm just saying, you know, LeBron has lost more championships than he's won. And he still had to win the ones he has won with super teams other than that Cleveland team. I give him full credit. 
for beating Golden State, even though Draymond went down. I don't believe that's a series. I think that's a 4-1 series if Draymond plays. But, but let me do, well, even the the Miami team, because a lot, even though they were showing the shit, and I don't know why they didn't show enough Miami. To me, Miami's where he was the best he's ever been. That he solidified it because them Spurs teams. Dallas, dog. Dallas was that's what I was gonna say. Dallas was a San real Antonio, team. Dog. San Antonio was a real. They beat him though. San, San Antonio was a powerhouse as well. So and that was a, a dynasty. You know what I mean for ten years. So. Hey man, it's been respect a, a show today on this work boot. It's definitely work boot Wednesday. Fucking three and a half hour show. Um, appreciate you coming in and uh, hitting us. Um, but it is what it is. So um, much did we love. Do, the, did we do the state of address? All rise, Coach JB. All rise, dog. Clap it up, bro. Um. Brad Richardson came back in. He said, I don't know why you did Sarah that way. Lost a lot of respect. Well, eat a dick up then, bitch boy. I don't give a fuck. Brad Richardson, fuck you. Eat a dick. I give a fuck what you think, motherfucker. Take your ass to her fucking saline ass show then, motherfucker. Be the third person in her show then, soft bitch. Hey, man, I'm out of here. I appreciate everybody. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Peace. Hey, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta bump my, uh, I gotta bump my jam on the way out of here. Brad Richardson's a bitch. God damn it, Brad Richardson was in the show for a long time. Now he's a bitch. Bitch made cat. Unbelievable. Get your bitch ass out of here. I don't want you in the show anyway, bitch. As a matter of fact, let me block your bitch ass right fuck now. Don't come back to this motherfucker either, you soft bitch. Maybe you and your and her husband are fucking her ass. Get your bitch ass out of here. Um, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Appreciate y'all and uh, much love. Uh, thanks to all the guests. Jason Whitlock, Wido, Chase, Tioka, Steve Kim. Man, all those guys came on today. Appreciate you guys. See you tomorrow. Peace. Peace.